What's going on, guys? Matthias Wallman, Ben Carlton, Second Floor Sports. We are recording this Thursday at 4 p.m. 4.03, sorry. Precise. Yesterday, we got a chance to interview Rob Parker from Fox Sports Radio. He appears on FS1. That man does everything. Um, I mean, it's, it's remarkable, honestly. When we were talking to him before the show about like, what, he wa- what, what he wanted us to like, promote of his, I, like, take your pick. It's, I need pick any one of like the 12 different things he does. It's really remarkable. When you have, when you have a clout level that he's just like, yeah, I can't clout mention level. it. I'm just going uh, to you know, go, go to all my website and check everything out. Um, but we actually got to work with Rob together um, when we were you know, interns out in Fox Sports Radio uh, and out, out in L.A. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, it's coming up right after this. If you're listening to us on Spotify, it's coming right up. And if not, I don't know where else you're listening to us on. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. All righty, second floor sports, Matias Wallman, Ben Carlton, joined by Rob Parker, who's a host of The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio. You can listen to that every day, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. He's a contributor on Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. He's a TV anchor and analyst. He's been doing this for years now, since before we were alive. And this man does not sleep because he does everything. He's a Hall of Fame voter. He has his own podcast. You can listen to everywhere, host of Inside the Rob Parker podcast, and you can check out some of his books on getrob.com. Rob, how are you doing today? And thank you so much for coming on. Matias and Ben, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Matias, that beard, you didn't have that when you were an intern at Fox Sports Radio, but very nice. I I had it. It just you're, you're just admit, making this man's head just <laughs> just blowing him up. I, I will admit it wasn't I, as I, nice. I don't remember it being that thick or dark. Did you have a beard? I've been on the he definitely had a beard. Year, I haven't I seen the, I haven't seen this man clean shaven in okay. probably three and a half years, but I don't I mean, think it was I, that clean. You know what? I haven't seen him in a, in a minute. So the beard just jumps out. Okay. Right. Well, we got to, we got to see each other uh, um, last summer. So Ben and I actually know Rob because we both interned at Fox sports radio now. La- yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Um, about, about a year ago at this point, a little more. Um, that's where I met Rob. And then Rob is from New York, too. Obviously, all three of us are from New York. So we got to meet when he came back. Rob, let's just get right into it. Um, you know, like we touched upon before, you know, you, you write, you're a podcast host, you're on TV, and obviously you're on radio. How have things been different the last couple of months with COVID? It, it's different from the standpoint, first, we didn't have any games to talk about. And yet, Chris and I... Uh, you know, I had to put on a three-hour radio show every day. So it was a lot without doing phony lists or making up stuff to talk uh-huh. about. And uh, that, that was the thing that we would not do. Um, and then, of course, the Jordan documentary helped. So we were talking about that a lot. And there were other issues that were coming up, NFL at free agency. But it's been different from the standpoint that I haven't seen Chris in five months. I mean, wow. We, we do the show separately. He's at his uh, house in New Jersey, and I'm in my apartment in L.A. So it is different. The quality isn't lost because it's so good, you can't even tell. Unless we tell you we're really not in the same room, you really can't tell. Um, but it's different. It's different for chemistry standpoint when somebody's right next to That's been different. Being on the herd or undisputed from my apartment again, totally different. And even writing for Deadspin, you know, like I can't get out to cover things like I used to or talk to people. So it's more phone calls or, you know, writing or using quotes that, you know, I've seen already that already put out there. So it's a little different, but it's like anything. You have to adjust. And and that's what I've been able to do. 
Yeah, I mean, we've all definitely been in a period of adjustment. I mean, the whole world has. I don't think I'm making any hot takes there. But the good news is we do actually have some games to break down now. I mean, I just as a sports fan, this last, these last couple of weeks have been really fun just because I mean, you turn on the TV at 1 o'clock and you can watch any league you want for the rest of the day. Uh, we'll start with a little baseball. Um, so did you see the whole Yankees-Rays incident at the end of the game yesterday? <laughs> I did. I mean, quick reaction there. What did you think of the whole – and did you think Chapman was throwing at Brousseau's head? You know, like, I, I, I wouldn't believe that. Uh, Chapman's trying to throw at anybody's head. I think those days are long gone. So whether it came close or you know what I mean, if I, but I don't think that's the real intent. The players don't do that anymore. These guys make so much money, their careers. Uh, that used to be something that was in baseball in the 40s and 50s, even the 60s, you know what I mean? But not, not really since then. Yeah. Um, but those two teams are trying to slug it out. You know, the Rays are still trying to get there. The Yankees are trying to ha- hang on and, and, and keep playing well despite all the injuries. The Yankees have had so many injuries the last three years. It's unbelievable. And yet they still keep winning because they're so deep. So it's, it's kind of surprising. But this tit for tat with these two team go, go, teams go back for a couple of years now. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of noise on Twitter about Yankees-Rays kind of being the, the stopgap for the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. I mean, personally, I think that's pretty accurate with the way the Red Sox are just in the cellar this year rebuilding. What do you think? Yeah, the Yankees-Red Sox is dead, officially. I think the Yankees have beaten them nine or ten times in a row. Or, I mean, just unheard of. You know, it's like to have a rivalry, one of the, you know, the other team has to win once in a while. It's like the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry in football. That's dead. Ohio State owns Michigan, and to, to have a real rivalry, the other guy's got to win once in a while to make you feel a certain kind of way. And I think right now, right now, the Yankees and Red Sox are dead. So yeah, that's the wonderful thing about rivalry, right? Because it could be dead for a couple of years, and then you think the Red Sox are good next year, and it's alive and well if they're actually competing against each other. Kevin Cash actually said, kind of insinuated he's going to retaliate. You think the Rays are going to retaliate tonight? think so because it'll be heavy fines especially when you go out and make a statement like that you know what I mean you put yourself the commissioners on alert the umpires are on alert and and I, I believe if they do throw out a Yankee tonight I'm not saying down the road but tonight I, I do believe that cash will be suspended and there'll be a heavy fine and it'll be it'll be uh, uh, and the player will be suspended it'll be an incident I, 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 it's pretty tough. I, I'm almost saying I do not expect to see it. So we'll go to another hot team because the Rays have been fantastic this season, but the Padres have been a big surprise. I think some people expected they could be good, but most people expect them to be about a year out. They just swung Mike Clevenger. It was probably the biggest deal in the deadline with definitely. Lance Lynn not, not being Not moved. probably, definitely. It is. Yeah. Okay. So pick up an they, ace like that is unbelievable. They're, they're the hot team right now. Right, you talk about Slam Diego. Everyone's hopping aboard the bandwagon. How do you feel about their deadline deals, and how do you think about their chances? Like, how far is like how high is their ceiling? I think their ceiling is pretty high. Which, which incredible is when you think about Slam Diego does fit because they actually have scored more runs than the Dodgers. <laughs> and you know how potent that lineup is. Think about that. And the Dodgers have hitters up and down the lineup. They hit a, a National League record 57 home runs in the month of August, and yet the Padres still have scored more runs and lead in, like, OPS and slugging. Like, it, the numbers are real. Manny Machado's having a great year. Of course, Fernando Tatis Jr., what a stud. 
his first 100 games are better than Mike Trout's first 100 games? What does that say? And everybody says Mike Trout will wind up being the greatest player ever, and Tatis has better numbers through the first 100 in the big leagues. So they're real. They got some pitching. Clevenger, I, I don't believe it was just the uh, COVID thing that got him out of Cleveland. There must have been other incidents that they just had had enough, and that was the final straw. Because well, and Cleveland's also got so much pitching. I mean, if they're looking to to deal from one of their resources, they've got so many top tier arms, and they're so good at developing young arms. It's like they can look at a guy like Mike Clevenger and say, "Hey, we can turn him into." a six-player return. I mean, I really like the deal for the Indians. You know, the Indians yeah. also hate winning, so you know, <laughs> well, there's that, right. too. The other, right. Well, the other thing, too, is, and, and I'm with you, is, you know, it's easy for the Indians to just give away a, a, a star ace pitcher, but they haven't won Jack in about 50 years. So, it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, they can just give away anybody. There had to be more behind the scenes for them to move a guy like that. You don't develop a guy to get rid of a guy like that. He, he was a stud. He, just, he is a stud. And it makes the Padres a legit threat when you add him to their rotation and the lineup and everything else they have. So watch out, Padres. I mean, you, you touched on the Dodgers. They were kind of – them and the Yankees were the preseason World Series favorites, like even before and after the whole uh, COVID stoppage. I mean, the Dodgers have been so good, like, there almost aren't even stories about them. Like, they're the best team in baseball. They've probably got the deepest roster in baseball. The Padres are the hot team right now. They're the one getting the buzz. But do you think the Dodgers are still the team to beat? I, I picked the Dodgers and Yankees uh, to be in the World Series. I'm sticking to my pick. Ultimately, both are – the rosters are good. Same thing with the Yankees. People can – if they don't win the division or whatever, that doesn't mean that they still can't make the playoff run if they get everybody back and healthy come – playoffs which starts in about what a month or so yeah. right so, so they got time to get those guys back we saw when they had their full squad the first 10 or 12 games and they were 11 and 1 or whatever it was 10 and 2 they have a good team they got a lot of boppers same with the Dodgers uh but for the Dodgers it, it means a lot more I know the Yankees haven't won since 09 yeah but the Dodgers haven't won since 88 1988 <laughs> and uh they need to win like getting to the World Series or getting to the playoffs again, or winning another division doesn't mean anything in LA. People want to see them win a World Series. So we're going to flip scripts a little bit here. We're going to move over to the NBA. You've been covering the NBA for 20, 30 years at this point? Since 1987. Don't shortchange me. <laughs> Got us topped by a good 11 years before we were even born. 1980, ridiculous. I mean, in those days, we used to fly with the players because the, the players didn't have private planes. They flew commercial. So I, it wouldn't be, like, weird that I'm on a flight, say, when I was covering the Nets or the Knicks back mm -hmm. then in the late 80s, that I would be on a plane and I would be sitting next to Sam Bowie, who was a center for the Nets. Me and Sam would sit next to each other, flying to the next game. I mean, that, that's what it was. And we had different relationships with players back then. Yeah. You know, still was professional and we did our job, but it's not as pretentious as it is today. Off, off the top of your head, you know, like craziest like in-flight story you have or crazy story you have of just like being that close with players? At that's, least that you'd be willing to share it with us. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the biggest thing was I, I can remember like um, start like – guys who got drafted high draft choices like a Dennis Hobson was a high draft choice a lottery pick for the Nets 
and he was he had you know the big contract or whatever. But when we got to the plane, he couldn't sit in first class because back then, uh, as part of the collective bargaining agreement, it went by seniority. Mm-hmm. So you had guys who were 10, 12 year journeymen who sat in first class and the stars had to sit in coach. So once there was a, a little, you know, brouhaha about who's sitting in first class and the star players who were the young guys got schooled and were taught, no, 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 you have to sit in the back. These go to the veteran players. And I remember writing about the incident or whatever, and it became like a big story. That's so funny. I mean, it's obviously we're never going to have anything like that. Um, flipping back to the NBA, you know, I, I, you had spoken about this on your show and on your Twitter, the boycotts that went on, you know, it's, it created a lot of movement. We've seen a lot of responses by the owners. They've opened up their arenas for voting. I mean, what, what has been your kind of reaction and your thoughts on first them not coming out to play and then just the changes that have occurred since then? I, I love it all. I, I just think it's, it fits. I mean, for the Bucks to be the team that that led the boycott. Remember, Kenosha's in their backyard. You know, they drive past it to go to go to practice, I think, or go to the games or whatever. So, so that's in their backyard. They should have taken the lead on that. I was proud that to, to think that they were moved so much by what we all saw. And then athletes as a whole, look at the voices that they have now and the power. They understand that they can stop things and get things changed. Even the Bucks, people say, oh, it's just a one-day boycott. They came right back. Well, they also got on the phone with the Attorney General for Wisconsin, the Lieutenant Governor. They pushed the Governor to, to take a look at some bills that were, you know, in, you know, on the table to be voted on and whatnot. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, not just um, making a statement, but some action behind it. And then the rest of the world and, and – the rest of the leagues to join in. That's powerful. The NBA baseball's only eight or nine percent black. Baseball joined in. The NHL is not black at all. You know, like not black American, black Canadian. But they they stopped their games. The WNBA, MLS. Think about NASCAR and what they did by banning the Confederate flag. They don't have black fans. I'm not saying that they don't have any, but they're they're, they're not many. Right, not many. And they're going against their base. You know what I mean? They yeah. probably lost fans who said, I'm never coming back because they took away my right to bring in a Confederate flag, which was a part of NASCAR for as long as I can remember and seeing those flags. I never felt comfortable, but I, I saw them in the South, you know, at these events. And for them to say, well, if we lose you, we lose you. We're going to do the right thing. Our yeah. organization is going to be about what's right, what's fair. And I love it. I think everybody's joined in. And for the guys who still are pushing back on, oh, I don't want to hear about that. I want to go to sports to get away from social stuff or whatever. I'm, Hello, is this on? There's nowhere for you to hide. So there's no sport where you can go and try to hide from it. It's a part of our lives, and it's a part of sports, and it's always been. I want to give everybody a history lesson. In 1993, the NFL took away the Super Bowl from the state of Arizona. You know why? Because they didn't vote to have the Martin Luther King holiday, a paid holiday. The NFL showed up and they said, as long as you don't have the Martin Luther King holiday as a, as a paid holiday, because it had become a national holiday, but states could decide whether it was paid or not. If you don't, if you don't adopt this, you'll never get another Super Bowl. 
That's not football. That's social, right? So the NFL was involved in that in 1993. Guess what? The next year, it was put on a ballot again to vote for, and the people of Arizona voted to be a, a paid holiday. And so, it's unfortunate I, that it's unfortunate that it's, you know, it's money that's going to make people make these yeah. decisions. But, you know, at the very least, it's like, all right, well, you make the decision, but then you can move from there to try to educate and get people to, to see it from a better perspective. Yeah, you know the song by Cindy Lauper, Money Changes Everything. Mm-hmm. That's a real song. Money talks, money, man. Money talks. Money changes everything. And people <laughs> react. Look at Daniel Schneider in Washington who said that it wouldn't happen. He would never change the name. <laughs> and he said, right, under his watch. And, and what happened? When those advertisers said they were going to pull their money from the franchise, all of a sudden, overnight, everything changed. Yeah. The name was gone. They're going, to, um, they're going to rename the team. They now have a, a, the first black team president in, in NFL history. You know what I mean? They, they, they've made changes, and it's, it's amazing. It might yeah. take money, but sometimes you, you force people into looking at it uh, in a different way. We've got a couple minutes left here. I can't have you on without getting some of your NBA thoughts. Uh, we had Game 7 between the Nuggets and the Jazz last night. Another Game 7 coming up tonight between the Rockets and the Thunder. Let's start with the Nuggets-Jazz. What was your reaction to the end of the game last night and just the series as a whole? I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, um, I, I, I thought Utah was going to win. And Donovan Mitchell, of course, you know, turned the ball over, coming down with the – potential game winner and I don't know I, I mean they took a shot it rimmed out you know they had a chance to win it but uh, they were down big they fought all the way back they just couldn't just couldn't put the you know finish it off so it was you know disappointing and, and Denver's a good team but mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know Jamal Murray had a bad night and it happens a lot of guys like they play well and then you get to that game seven and then it, you know it just doesn't work out but luckily they were able to hold on and win yeah, I mean, the way that him and Donovan Mitchell were scoring, you kind of expected them to come out and trap. It was crazy how low scoring that game was. I want to talk oh, about yeah, – that, that was a game from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, Rockets, Thunder tonight, who you got? I got Thunder. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I just – the Rockets, this might be the end of that whole thing with Mike D'Antoni, uh, you know, their GM. Uh, you know, if they, if they lose in the first round – I don't know. I mean, it just seemed weird that they had that game and they just couldn't, you know, do the right things at the end. And OKC, they should have been extinguished a long time ago when yeah. you think about that team. So yeah. if they were in a game seven, gives me a lot more confidence about them than the Rockets. And last question for you here, Rob. Again, thank you so much for coming on to Second Floor Sports with us today. Appreciate are you, it. Are you worried if you're the Clippers heading into round two? I mean, they got a real scare from Dallas. No, I'm not, I'm not worried at all. I mean, when you say they got a real scare, everybody talks about Porzingis not playing or whatever. Patrick Beverly didn't play. Paul George wasn't Paul George for most of that series, right, for the first spot. So if, if they play like they're capable, we've seen them, and they're all together, I think they're a tough out. I don't think he could beat them four times. If Paul George just played – he played horrid, right, yeah. and they won the series, right? But if, if he plays – regular and Kawhi Leonard's been been outstanding and you add Patrick Beverly who's just not that he's a big scorer or anything but he's the glue to that team he's a, yeah. he is a, he's a big part of that team absolutely and they've they rested him basically 
uh, because they felt like they could win without him, and, and they'll be ready for him. So I'm, I'm not saying it's a four-game sweep or anything, but I do expect the Clippers to win, and I've picked the Clippers before the season started to win the championship, and I'm sticking with it. I'm on the same page as you there, yeah. Rob. I got the Clippers winning it all this year. They're just too deep, in my opinion. They've got Kawhi Leonard, best playoff performer in the league, and they run eight or nine deep. And I mean, their second unit could be like a starting five for a couple teams in this league. Yeah, probably no, a lottery team, but yeah, but 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 also it's like pick your poison. You know, like you, they got four guys who could close out the game at the end. Most teams don't have that. Yeah, Rob. Before I let you go, I I couldn't not do this. I got my Spurs jersey on. <laughs> I got my Patriots mug here just to kind of send you for a little twist as we, uh, as we let you go. I just, I just threw up in my mouth <laughs> twice. <laughs> uh, Rob Parker, host of The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio. You can listen to him every weekday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. You can catch him on Undisputed with Skip and Shin, and he's a deadspin writer, MLB Hall of Fame voter, and you can listen to his podcast, which is one of my favorite MLB podcasts, Inside the Rob Parker. And – Buy some of his books, getrob.com. Rob, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rob. Ben, thank you guys, man. That was a lot of fun. We'll do it again. All right. Absolutely. I'll hold you that. Invite me back. Don't, don't, you know, don't say, all right, we're done with Rob. Make sure you invite me back. (laughs) We'll make sure you're back on, Rob. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have a great day. You too. Everyone watching on uh, our Instagram live, thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you are watching us on YouTube that we're posting the videos after, or if you're listening to us on Spotify, thanks. Uh, Like, subscribe if you're on YouTube, and of course, follow us on Spotify just so we can get those numbers up. Um, Second Floor Sports, same as our show name, same as our Instagram. Our Twitter's a little weird. It's at Two Floor Sports. We're 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 in in, in advanced negotiations. We've been in talks with the the holder of at Second Floor Sports. Well, there was... uh, not to get that off topic before we even start the show. I mean, um, it is right in our bio. Yeah. Um, so Twitter had announced, I feel like earlier this year, that they, it was going to get to a point where if you were certain, like, inactive and, like, you hadn't tweeted in X amount of years that or whatever. Was like year, that was, like, a year at I least think, ago, I, I think. I think they said that they were going to do it this year, too. Like, they were going to take your handle away. And I know um, – that would have helped with our, that would help with our Twitter. And I know yours too, Ben, you're still Ben. Well, you know, I've been Carlton at Ben. One. And honestly, that's not bad. Like I can live with bad. Ben underscore Carlton one. I would love at Ben Carlton and whoever oh, at Ben I, Carlton is, um, that will, okay. To be fair, they haven't off, tweeted in a while. They are active though. Like they've liked okay. stuff within okay. the last month. I still think I deserve the handle personally, uh-huh. but, uh, I don't think they're going to get the boot anytime soon. Yeah, see, I, I got lucky. I don't think uh, I don't think there are too many people named Matthias Wallman in the world. Uh, there probably are. I mean, the name's very popular in South America. Apparently, it sounds Greek too. That's what people always tell me. Uh, and Wallman is a uh, has Strat ever told you that? No, he hasn't. But every time our, I our meet go-to people, Greek it, resource. It's it's interesting because you know, uh, like Argentinian Spanish is different than you know every other Spanish. It just you, you can tell right. that it sounds different. And so every time my dad, who obviously is from Argentina, was born there and grew up there, um, everyone always asks him if he's French, which like, okay, I get you don't know what accent it is, but it doesn't sound French at all. It doesn't sound um, French. I mean, to be fair, like I've heard your dad definitely has like a, a if, you, if you haven't like ever spoken to your dad, he does have like a tough accent to pick up. I have up. spoken like to first, my dad, so. I, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, 
What were you saying? Point being, your dad does have a tough accent to pick up. Like the first few times yeah. I had met him, I was like, I like couldn't I couldn't pick up his accent very well. Yeah. Obviously, like once you get to know him, you figure it out. But French is interesting. But um, anyway, I don't know if I would go like Spanish off the bat. But I, I, I yeah, it's, it's Spanish just sounds right. Well, I mean, it says I mean, you would know. Yeah, fair. All right. Again, All right. second floor Electric sports. Of the show. <laughs> second floor sports. Matthias Wallman, Ben Carlton. Again, if you're catching us on Instagram Live, we have an interview with Rob Parker that we had yesterday. Um, that was Wednesday at about noon. Um, really, a lot of awesome a things. Fun interview too. Like, yeah, such a, just such an enjoyable guy to spend 20 minutes talking uh-huh. to. I mean, I met. You know, it's always like a nervous kind of in one of your first big internships, networking with people and stuff. And, uh, you know, the shift that Ben and I were mostly on, it was you come in, you work on your show, and then you just leave. And you usually well, leave yeah, a little I, it's early. A t- I, it, the thing that kind of caught me the mo- most by surprise about Fox Sports Radio is like, it's a not a big space at all. It's a basement. There's the main studio. There's the editing room. There's like, there's big Mike's office, obviously mm, big Mike shout out. And there's a kitchen. Like there's not a lot. Yeah. It's not like you can like sit there and like hang out after your shift. Mm-hmm. Like you're either, I mean, you can, but I mean, like, you can, but there's what three seats in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, and half the people, half the people that work there, if they're not on air, like most of them are, they're part-time. So they have other jobs. Yeah, exactly. Um, other jobs are just like, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a place you necessarily want to like as much fun as we had there. It's not a place you want to like hang out after. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. You know, you don't really want to hang out at work after. Um, but, you know, I, you know, the people that we got to, you know, interact with, uh, you know, a couple of shout outs. Lead the lap the fourth. Lead uh, Jonas, the lap the fourth. Jonas oh Knox, um, Ryan Music, our producer. You're um, forgetting literally like John Ramos. Single most important figure there. Who I'm just followed about- the show Instagram. Did you see that? What? Ramos followed the Instagram. Nice, nice. I'm talking about like people that we didn't directly work with every time. But like, we're super nice, always offering advice, always helping us out. And uh, I approached our supervisor. I was like, hey, you know, I want to go into play-by-play. Is there anyone here that I can talk to? And there's people that I can talk to about networking. And he was like, let me reach out to Rob Parker. I knew who Rob Parker was. I was like, oh, oh." like, there's no way he's going to reach out to me. Guy met me like the next day and like was super nice. And, you know, I met him in the city one time when he came back. He's from New York. Um, Super nice guy. So definitely check out. Our interview, of course, follow us on all of our social medias at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, or at Two Floor Sports Instagram right here. It's we Second gotta, Floor we Sports. Gotta get that handle. Gotta get that. Gotta get that and then on YouTube, it's Second Floor Sports. So, all Ben, right. let's get right into it. We got, we got lots tons to talk about. and tons of actual basketball to talk about, but the number one <laughs> item today, Steve Nash of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash. What? Like completely like, out of left field. Let's start with that, right? It, it's not. I mean, like, was I? I literally saw it and was like, was I just completely in the dark? Like, no. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have any clue that he was even being considered? No, that's the thing is that no one knew. I mean, Sean Marks and the rest of the uh, the rest of the Nets front office, Joe Sai, who was big in this hiring, they did a great job of keeping this under the wraps, right? And this isn't the Which first is so time unheard of for like an NBA hire. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you usually hear some rumblings, and it's not like this is the first time that a, very, that an NBA like, player has like gone like short of rumblings, just like rumors. Like there wasn't Anything. one report. Anything. There wasn't one like random like fan with a source type of tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally nothing. And then yeah. just saw on my phone, Steve Nash hires. Yeah. And that's like I mean, those. it was like, the the report a couple days ago from Shams Charania was that Jock Vaughn, who who took, actually went to high school with my stepbrother. Fun fact. 
<laughs> okay. Which honestly put in perspective, like I'm so used to sidebar kind of uh, oh, not saying topic go. crazy. Well, just obviously like a 50 something year old man. I don't know how old he is. Uh, He's bald and has been around for forever. Shams is like four years older than us. Excuse me? You said he's four years older than us? Not much. Old. I don't know exactly, but he went to high school with my stepbrother, who's 25, turning 26 in December. Like, I don't really like that. It's weird. But anyways. Anyways, um, the report from uh, Shams Charania uh, a couple of days ago was that Jacques Vaughn had a really successful interview with the Nets front office and with their ownership. And he was the favorite to be there. And his name, it's been probably two or three off seasons where his name is always brought mm-hmm. up for coaching yeah. vacancies. Like you and he figured didn't... it was just a matter of time until someone pulled the trigger on it. I mean, say what you want about, you know, the Nets getting swept in the first round, but they played very well in the bubble. And I mean, it's easy to look at them and be like, oh, they got swept by the Raptors. First of all, the Raptors are a very good team, regardless of if they're down. 2-0 to the Celtics. We're going to get swept also. But we'll talk about that later. They're not going to get swept. But I anyway, um, I mean, Jacques Vaughn played really well with what he had. I mean, the, the Nets were in the first two games. They got blown out after that, but there was really nothing there. And my biggest takeaway from this – because of course, Jacques you got to remember the Nets were playing with their, like, B slash C team. Like, Wau Cabarro was literally, like, their <laughs> best scorer. Um, the, the thing to remember here is that – when you have players like Kyrie and KD coming back, this head coach hiring is not about X's and no. This isn't X's and no's. This is not a, a tactician hiring. This is someone that has a good relationship with both of them and that can kind of keep everything under the wraps and control everyone, right? Because John Vaughn's coming issue, back. Like, He's going to be get, their main head coach and their main assistant coach. I get what you're saying about it not necessarily being like an X's and O's hire. But like, you want to compete for a title. You want to become like relevant again beyond just kind of like memes and like, pop culture mm-hmm. you're bringing back two champions two guys with rings and katie and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. excuse me and so you hire a first-time head coach like not just the first-time head coach a guy who doesn't even have experience as an assistant he was yep. a player development coach I, in golden he, state a part-time yep, he, player development coach he, yeah he works kind of more front I, I don't office. know i don't know what that means i don't know what his duties were i don't know well, what his day-to-day responsibilities he were also, in golden state. I think he was like some sort of assistant coach with the Canadian national team, but it was literally for like a summer. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Again, not to like discredit Steve no. Nash's game or his like IQ and his understanding of basketball. Like he's mm-hmm. a hall of famer. One of, I, one of my honestly like earliest favorite players. I can yeah. remember like watching him being like, wow, like this guy is sick. Mm-hmm. Like, and the first thing that came to mind was like LeBron's first year back in Cleveland when they fired, um, Blatt and brought in Ty Lue mm-hmm. and there was all this noise about like oh well it doesn't you know the X's and O's don't matter like they're just bringing in a guy that LeBron wants make LeBron happy and you'll be fine it's LeBron James but then that first year they got like Ty Lue got out coached bad mm-hmm. and it's like yeah when you've got a LeBron a KD a Kyrie type of player yeah you don't need like a coach of the year guy at the bench but, like would be get, nice It'd be nice, I'm, but when you, get, when you get deep into the playoffs, you need a coach who's been there. You need a coach who's seen yeah. it and who's got the experience. I, this is a hell of a leap by the Nets. I mean, look, I, Ty Lue has, is an assistant now, and he's done a heck of a job away from the head coaching spot. I honestly think the, the, Sixers, jobs is just, the Sixers job is his to lose. I mean, he has the experience now, and he's had to coach someone like LeBron James, which is – not easy. I mean, remember, LeBron James did not like being coached by Eric Spolstra in his early Miami that, days. Honestly, I would, 
I know LeBron has said some things after the fact about how he like was kind of wrong about like what he thought about Spo mm-hmm. initially. I would love like a sit down interview between the two of them because everything I re- have I, hindsight's twenty twenty, but everything yeah. I've read about Spolstra after the fact, I mean, this guy is one of the better coaches in the NBA today, yeah. and that seems on paper like exactly the type of guy LeBron would want because mm-hmm. LeBron is so smart and is such a cerebral player. Obviously, on top of all his other skills, and I, I guess you could just chalk it up to LeBron being so young when he was going to Miami. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was in like he that was prime LeBron right there, and it, yeah, it's hard when it's you're literally in my you're and you're in Cleveland and your like next best option is like Mo Williams and Zinger Solgowskis. Like <laughs> you're kind of just used to not having anything. I, honestly, like I, I'm wearing this shirt. This is the 07 Spurs shirt, the championship shirt. Wow. The, the <laughs> fact that LeBron made it there is unbelievable. Like yeah. going back to Ty Lue, like he had, had, he had coaching experience. Like Steve Nash. At the very least. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Nash doesn't have every anything. And look, it's not like this is the first time it's happened, right? It happened with Doc Rivers. It happened with Jason Kidd. It happened with Derek Fisher. But like we've seen with Jason Kidd I mean, and Derek Fisher, it's very hit or miss. Yeah. I mean, like, it, and something else I think about, too, is, like, how are – like, I think you got to put three other players on the court and fill out a roster beyond KD and Kyrie. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you need those other guys to produce. I literally – we'll talk about this later, but look at the Bucks right now. Yeah. You've got your one and two and Giannis and Middleton, but one of the issues for the Bucks right now is they're not getting shit from anyone else. And like, oh, I and, think, I think they. And Bodenholzer is a very good NBA coach, and he's not getting the. Pre- he he is getting out coached in this series, though. He playoff think, and playoff Bud is just not cutting it right now. We'll we'll get into the Bucks series in a minute. It, I think it's a mix of out coached and just not getting. I simply not getting the production that he was yeah. probably right, expecting from too. some of his some of his bench guys and some of his yeah. guys outside of Giannis and uh, Chris Middleton. You need. I I'll, I don't like the hire. I think it was. I think this is going to go down as a really colossal mistake by the Nets. I don't either. Especially I mean, considering you don't know what you're getting out of KD in terms of his yeah. return from an Achilles injury, mm-hmm. Kyrie has not been healthy in what four seasons? When was the last time Kyrie played a full season? Uh, 2017? Even if he – like, full season or not, you're probably going to rest him either way because he's had yeah. so many issues. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, he's you're, – you're getting the brain of Kyrie as well as the athletic ability of the basketball player. And not that that's a bad thing. Like, I – you know, Kyrie I is a very him. smart player. He's a very smart player, and I love how outspoken he is about social issues. Mm-hmm. But it's like you need not – every, not every guy on the team is going to appreciate that. And it is a bit – distraction is the wrong word because it's not like it's unnecessary mm-hmm. but it's something that i think you would rather have an experienced seasoned head coach kind of yep. dealing with and helping to strike that line well, that's like that's why i think nash got hired in part because it's not like they completely took jock vaughn on and i will say this that man did a hell of a job coming in and coaching the nets and, and the fact that he didn't get the head coaching role after, and I get it. He is being compensated very well as an assistant coach. Highest paid, is, right? What? Highest paid assistant. Yeah, highest paid assistant coach. And he's going to have his hands in a lot of things. And you got to think he already has a great relationship with the players that are there. But do you have any reason to believe that's actually like true? What? That he's got, a, a, like you said, a great relationship with the players already there. Well, look, I mean, regardless of the job he did, if the players don't like him and they didn't think that he did a good job, they wouldn't have brought him back. I mean, they brought him back yeah. as their top assistant coach, and they have shown at least that they are putting a lot of emphasis and that they do value having him there. However, 
the fact that he didn't get the head coaching job is kind of a slap in the face. I, you, you can't not think of and like I've that. Got to, I've got to imagine Steve Nash must have blown them away in the interview. And, and you, you, you can already see, people talk about how LeBron influences uh, the head coach selection and all this and all that. I think that's just stupid because every super – I, no, because I think that it's stupid if it's only LeBron. Every superstar obviously wants okay, to play yeah. with the head coach that he likes. You're already seeing this with KD. The only reason that there were, you know, connections with the Spurs, there were a couple reasons. One, that Bobby Marks, uh, uh, Steve Marks, excuse me, um, well, he was, uh, you know, he, he's part of the, the Spurs kind of tree and he has a good connection with Pop. But also KD has liked Pop for a while and he's wanted to play under Pop for a while, to which I'll say KD should have just come to the Spurs. Um <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, but um, wow, I'm not even But superstars there. choose their head coaches. That much has been a, true the NBA for is the a last superstar decade. league. We know that. Yeah, like that much has been true for the last decade. And KD likes Steve Nash. They have a good relationship. That played a huge part in him coming in, which is why I'm saying Steve Nash. The main reason I think he got hired is because of that good relationship and the fact that you know. I mean, it's got to be why well, if he didn't get hired because it was coaching experience that's for damn sure but you know i don't know maybe the clippers talked to doc rivers before and they're like wow this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about maybe steve nash had no idea what he was talking about but like it's just but it's crazy it's hard to break down because it's out of left field and i was listening to the local i don't i don't even know what to make of it at this point we have no one does i mean i haven't seen a single like i in the the next couple days did they saw that? Yeah, Steve Nash. That? Steve Nash tried to get Dirk to join his staff, and Dirk said he's not ready to come back yet. Huh? I where did you see that? I got a Bleacher Report notification. I must have missed that. Wow. I mean, this news broke what <laughs> eight hours ago, maybe. I mean, I'm what I, was, what I was gonna say, and I, I'm just like trying to wrap my head around a Steve Nash Dirk Nowitzki coaching combo. That'd be really funny. <laughs> like literally, two of my earliest favorite players. That'd be that'd be really interesting. Um. Things are going to get weird over the next couple like, of I'm, I'm just really, cur- I'm really curious coach. to see what happens – or not what happens. I'm really curious to see, like, who comes out with the first article, like, breaking down the whole interview process. And, like, what yeah. happened? Like, who reached out to who? Did I, I saw one thing that Nash had been, like, interested in coaching for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it a big difference between interested in coaching yeah. and becoming the first-year head coach for a team that has every right to believe they've got a shot at a title next season? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh... – it's tough because you, you look at it and you're like, absolutely, they have a shot. But then you got to remember, KD's coming off a torn Achilles in what was probably you, a very uneven rehab. Uh, you don't know what kind of rehab, at. but albeit with, he's got more time than anyone yeah. to get back on the court. That's true. You just, it, this is obviously a playoff team, and any team that has KD automatically is a contender, but we also have to wait and see what they come out with, right? And then, the most interesting thing in Brooklyn this summer is going to be what they do with Karis LeVert. Well, I was right. just going to get into that. I want to, I mean, we've spent the first 20 minutes talking about not even actual basketball. So we should yeah. probably move on here soon. But uh-huh. I mean, I was reading an article today. It was like, there was, it was part of a, um, it was just like a, like a round table type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, basically the question asked was, is Karis LeVert the third star or is he the guy you use to get the third star? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, it's if you have to evaluate at the end of the day how they fit with Kyrie and KD, right? I mean, if there's anything we've seen from the Bucks series is that you can never have too many people that can make their own offense, right? No, absolutely. Now, it comes with the caveat that when you're playing with KD, who you know spent a lot of time with Russell Westbrook, who wasn't giving up 
the ball a lot of times kind of turned out pretty rough. A reason that KD probably left. It's all about fit too, but I mean, Karis LeVert shoots well off the dribble. He shoots well from the catch. I mean, Karis LeVert could... was probably the breakout player of the I... Yeah. Other than TJ mm. Warren, LeVert was probably the breakout player of the bubble. I don't know if he was the breakout player of the well, bubble. Okay, break, the breakout's the wrong word, but in terms of like got pushed right into the heat and balled yeah. out. Yeah, he he showed up. Carried, I mean, he literally carried the team. Yeah, he he was he's a yeah, shot away definitely not the right. I don't know I don't know what I don't know what exactly the right word would have been, but Karis Levert showed up in the bubble playing with the C yep. team and balled yep. like unquestionably. And they they won they they won like seven and two or something like that. I, I honestly don't remember, but. Anyway, let, let's get to. I, the, I think I think Levert is your third star. Is my point. I think you keep Levert around. Uh, I I think he's your third star as of right now, unless someone like Bradley Beal becomes available. I guess, yeah. You don't know. I, I think really honestly, don't know. I'd have to think more about it. But I think Beal is probably the only guy I would think I would want to move Levert for. Obviously, it'd have to be Levert and like, yeah, you know, I don't Dan know Whitey what the package would be. Then I don't have a ton of depth. Yeah, I have picks, and you know, we, we I don't want to spec. I'm not the trade machine. Yeah. I don't want to speculate like crazy here. But if I'm the Nets, I keep Levert around for the third. Season. I at least I at least try it out. If he gets along with K, uh, with uh, KD and with Kyrie and I did, he was just putting up twenty like twenty four yeah. and six or something. Like, right, he was putting up twenty four and six, but without those guys. Like if he but I'm if saying, that like, fits, putting up twenty four and six as the lead, the I like there's like Karis Levert and then the rest of the Nets in the bottom. Yeah, like. He was getting all of the defensive attention. Everyone knew he was their only bucket. Like, and he was mm-hmm. still putting up remarkable numbers. Yeah. Shout out uh, Luau Cabarro as well. <laughs> That's your boy, really. I is. mean, guy, guy had a nice bubble. Him and Tyler Johnson played pretty well. Now, yeah. Tyler Johnson I, wanted, I thought Tyler Johnson was going to go to the Lakers. We talked about that a few. Other yeah, that would have been that would have been a good move for him. We'll get right. to the Lakers in a bit, but before we do that, we got to talk about. <laughs> What happened at the end of that Houston OKC game? Oh, my before, God. Before we start talking about the actual game, uh, I'll say it so our, our, our listeners and viewers know. Um, I started the first game late, right? So I started the Bucks heat game late. So I had my phone aside. And I will say, like, it was nice to just be able to watch basketball without going on NBA Twitter and all those things. But I've, I'm not going to lie. I kind of missed it's it, fun. too. I, like, it's I, fun. Like I'll, I try not to be on my phone too much for like a, for like a literally a game yeah. seven. Mm-hmm. Like I try not to be on my phone either way. Like it but is like fun. Commercials, like, you're like, commercials. I'm like, what's happening? Like, what are people saying? What's going on? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's a habit, honestly. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, it was an article we talked about. Uh, I, I mentioned the last, uh, last episode we had. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit when we get to the, the heat series. Writer's name is Nikias Duncan. Just got mm-hmm. a full-time job. Guy's fantastic. And he was, you know, just putting out everything that the Heat need to do to uh, to to beat the Bucks, and a lot of those points I'm going to bring up later. Yeah. But I mean, being able to watch the game, and I like to think that I can watch basketball, and I can you know I can break down like what they ran and all this and all that. But when you're listening to someone, when you say you right, can break down, do you mean anything like other than floppy or? No, I mean I can see like okay, they ran an off-ball screen into the corner. Come on, give me some credit. <laughs> give me some credit, dude. But I mean, uh, Nikias has didn't been I watching. Tell the- you what floppy was like? What? Two year- didn't I tell you what floppy was when we were playing two K one time? I think everyone knows what floppy is. I could have sworn I, think I that like- was my first word. Um. Anyway, he's a Heat fan. He, he writes for the Heat. Um. And you know, to be able to like watch the Heat games and then just go back and see what he's posting about and all these things, I'm like, damn, like he's right. And he had a great article. We'll link it to it on our Twitter after. Um. 
but I honestly missed going on NBA Twitter during yeah. it. But all right, well let's uh, yeah. let's talk about yeah. Yeah, we get to Houston OKC. We're getting to the last five minutes. Full disclosure, I was honestly kind of expecting the Rockets to choke. Oh, absolutely. 100%. They've got a history of it. 100%. James Harden in particular has a history of it. And James Harden picked a really awful game to disappear for most of. But who's surprised? We're going to give not some me. numbers. that Not that surprising. But, I mean, look, the Houston I, that, had- those His shooting – his three-point numbers in his elimination games since coming to the Rockets, one of nine. Six of 15, that's not bad. Two of 13, two of nine. Three of seven is not bad, but you probably want James Harden shooting more than seven threes in an elimination game. Mm-hmm. Seven of, oh, of three, seven of 11. Do you, know, do you know which game that seven of 11 was? I believe that was 2015. 2015 against the... Wow. So I've been like... Thunder, could, I think? Like, you barely even want to include that in, like, the current narrative. That was five years yeah. ago at this point. Well, then say the, say the next three numbers after that, too. Two of seven, two of six, one of eight. Like, yeah. Yikes. Those are two good performances. One, like, performance you can live with. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of really ugly performances, including, of course, the famous 0 for 20. The whole team went 0 for 27. But... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, give credit where credit is due. The guy had a terrible game, but he also, when he checked in with, I think it was six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, he accounted for their last 13 points. Scored or assisted on their last 13, yeah. yeah. Like, get, he played decently at the end, and he acknowledged after. He's like, I played terribly. Uh, right? I think we can quote him here. Yeah, uh, he said, offensively, my game was shit. Yeah. Or I played was, like shit. I played like, like shit was the line, yeah. He did not play well at all. You, you, you can't really cut him any excuses. With? Yeah. But, I, I mean... Also, single-handedly won the game at the end. Yeah, that too. I mean... And honestly, I wonder... <laughs> well, that's what the be hell super, happened in that game? Like, well, first of all, that's got to be super satisfying for James Harden. Uh, I, I'm sure you know exactly what play I'm going to reference absolutely. here. Blocking a guy at the last... Is that still your, uh, comp- is that your, still your phone background? Or at, you change it? No, that's, that hasn't been my phone background for a while. Um, wow. Now I, it's, honestly, it's my Twitter. Honestly, you were never going to change that. And no, but we're, it's talk, we're talking about Manu blocking Harden from behind. To it's my Twitter handle. Your Twitter, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. And then the next game after that, Harden scored 10 points like in an elimination game. Like his, yeah. Look, I mean, if you're going to stop the Rockets on offense, it's not, it's not rocket science what you, what you do, right? You, you got to stop James Harden. Which you're not going to do. Unless, you're James not Harden gonna, stops himself. I, I really think that's absolutely. a story on him at this point. Like, and I mean, we'd know like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, James Harden can get a bucket whenever he wants. Who have you seen Luke. play James Harden better than Lou Dort did? Honestly, like, I don't know. Um, Iggy and some yeah. of those, and a couple of those Golden State series, I think, played him about as well. That's about it. Like, but also, like, you'd expect Andre Iguodala to, like, play well defensively yeah. against one of the premier superstars in the league. You wouldn't expect Lou freaking Dort to lock <laughs> Undrafted down rookie, Harden. like. Set the record for the most points by an undrafted rookie in a game seven last night. Yeah. I mean, such a, just such a cool story. Like, I love I, that type of shit. I mean, look, if you're the Rockets, that had to be your game plan coming in, right? You have the three-headed monster of SGA, uh, Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul at point guard, which was giving you a I call that a three-headed monster. Okay, they're, but the three-headed, <laughs> like, backcourt monster, yeah. right? That's Their best lineup is when all three of them are out there and they're playing, you know, smaller ball with, with Gallo out there. But you had to keep Lou Dort out there. The problem was that he was oh, shooting could, like he, two of nine from three each game. And then he comes out and he shoots like four for six in the first half. I mean, 
if you're the Rockets, you kind of have to live with it. It's just it, classic game seven, just like craziness. Right? Like, like who, that's why I love like, sports. Like, you, what, you never know who, what's going to happen. Who had, like, the, who had Lou Dort hitting the over on whatever his points over under was last night? I think I did and see someone. How much someone, money did they make off of it? I like, think they did see, I did see someone like put like 50 bucks on it and won like over three, three or four thousand dollars. Like, like, I, I have no clue what his line was last night, but I can't imagine it was, you know, what did he finish? Like 19? What? what Lou, do you know what Lou Dort finished with? I didn't write it down. He finished with 30 points. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just said he, he had the most points. He had the most yeah, points the most for an undrafted for undrafted rookie. rookie. Game seven was probably like six or something. No, no. It was he, – he finished with 30 points. Like that – he balled out last night. And again, like – if you're the Rockets, you run that game again, you're going to do the same thing. Like you, Oh yeah, I get it. Like you kind of have to respect them too. Like you got to close out kind of, but like the amount of like dogs they have on that team, like you got to leave them open. And that was certainly not ideal for the Rockets, but you also had Chris Paul who took like six shots going into the Dude, fourth Chris quarter. Paul, like, Chris Paul really, I don't want to say Chris Paul like blew the game for the Thunder. But, I mean, he had two very good looks in the last minute and yep. missed them both badly, especially that second one. I mean, that is that little, like, yeah. eight-foot leaner. Mm-hmm. That's a shot Chris Paul hits, like, literally in his sleep. Well, we got to talk about what happened on that play before oh he went for that shot. There were, like – and, Ben, I know that you, you were basically pulling your hair out. I can't imagine. It's always, it's always a gamble when it's James Harden and Chris Paul playing against each other, although it was entertaining as hell because oh, they're yeah. both – they're both very savvy, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get an advantage, whether it's flopping, trying to draw offensive charges, whatever. But if you go back to that play before Chris Paul missed it, I think first it was, uh, was P.J. Tucker who flopped at midcourt. Yep. Then I think it, was, it wasn't Chris Paul. Is Jack Powers in this chat? No, he's not. No. Yeah. Then it was someone else that flopped for the Thunder. I, and Jack, Chris I Paul really hope Jack it. Powers shows up when we start talking about this Rockets Lakers series. Yeah. Um, then the thunder flop at one side and then Chris Paul comes away with it. James Harden tries to draw it. And like, that was, none of those three were like, even remotely close. I don't want to say it was peak James Harden. Cause there's no, no part of that is like peak anything, but that was like mm-hmm. the worst. I, yeah, I guess it, it was the worst of like James Harden back in like 2014, 2015, when the book on him yeah. was, he was just like, did not play defense flopped everywhere. Mm-hmm. And was just like a score, just like a shooter. Basically. Yeah. Obviously he's more than that now. James, he's like, Pretty sure he's like the second best post defender in the NBA the last two years. Yeah, it, numbers get funky there because um, I also does, don't know how many how many like shot attempts have to go against him. Like Paul Gasol two years ago, like three quarters of the way into the season, was leading the league in three point shooting because he had like one more like he had like one more shot attempt than yeah, like was just absolutely necessary. Qualified, like, yeah. yeah, so you got to be careful. Like, James Harden, James Harden is not a very watch, good If you watch defender. a Rockets game, he's not a good perimeter defender, but if you, well, I'm, I'm talking about like his post defense. If you yeah. watch a Rockets game, because they switch everything, James Harden gets posted up a lot. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's beefy, man. He's got, uh-huh. like, he's definitely, obviously, is big enough and strong enough to like hold his own in the post against uh-huh. legit centers. I mean, you watch like Steven Adams try to post him up and just not be able to move him off the block. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, okay. But talking about this last play, though, I mean, yeah. Look. I'm not, I'm not a basketball coach. You took fundamentals of coaching basketball. <laughs> I just don't think I'd call you an NBA coach. I would. I can All coach right. the Nets. The, la- the last play for the Thunder, they tried the cross screen to Gallo for what oh. I would imagine was been kind of like a curl, like 18-foot jumper. Yeah. Completely got blown up. But the, I'm like, 
you didn't have a secondary option. You didn't have anything else. If like yeah. what was I, that it was has to be remarkable. Like, and Billy Donovan has kind of gotten a bad rep over the last couple of years. Sometimes he does not draw up good out of bounds plays and end of the game plays. And like go, and that I, was go, going into it. Who did you expect atrocious. to get the shot? Who did you expect to get that shot? I, I expected it's either going to Gallo or it's going to CP three. But if you look at it and you see Steven Adams wide open, I mean, they had what? 1.1 well, it wasn't seconds. That he was left? Wide open. It was yeah. 1.1. It yeah. wasn't even that he was wide open necessarily, but like, and again, it's like, it's a type of I mean, thing where look, like, it's easy for us to look at a screenshot on Twitter and say like, oh, look, he's got PJ Tucker seal, just lob it up and he can okay, tap it Okay, but let in. me finish your point and then I'm, fair, I'll go against you. He had PJ Tucker sealed yes. with a pretty clear lob at the basket there. Uh, and like saying he had PJ Tucker sealed is really cutting him some slack because PJ Tucker had his back to Steven Adams. And it's not like he was defending the inbounds. Like no. he had his, uh, he, he was facing Steven Adams. Like he didn't, he had his back to the baseline, like, which means it's not even like Steven Adams was boxing out and he had the seal. Like they could have just thrown it up and Steven Adams is there. Like there's 1.1 seconds left. There's a, you don't have to just tip it in like you immediately. Know, I don't, like I don't remember you don't have a lot of time. Who, who was defending the inbound? Um, I guess it doesn't even, I was, it doesn't even matter. It's not like it was I someone tall. Like it probably wasn't anyone taller than like six, seven. Yeah, no. The Rockets. I mean, like if the shot, like if you're, it's just so frustrating if you're I'm not even a Thunder fan and I'm frustrated. Like Yeah. I get that like you gotta like once the first action doesn't work, you kinda like go into scramble mode. Mm-hmm. Like what is Steven Adams even doing coming out to the three point line? Like you might as well take the turnover. Right. Well, what, I mean, you, like if you're if you you're really gonna Adams go for a shot. Three, like, I mean, look, you're you're gonna like on an inbounds play, end of the game, you're gonna switch everything, right? That's what defenses have to do. No, yeah. So, so you wanna create a mismatch with something, and if you have someone like Gallo who is big enough that he can create a good screen and he can also pop. You got to run like a double screen, some sort of drag to at least make Chris Paul some sort of like distraction. Like you can't work yourself back into that series and be as good of a clutch team as you are all season long and then not even get a shot up and have Steven Adams be the last person to touch the ball like like 20 feet away. Like that's ridiculous. I I saw a really interesting thread. I think it was, like uh, b-ball breakdown liked it on twitter and i was scrolling through it was like some like i don't know some like high school coach like take it with high school coach on twitter take it with a grain of salt this is by no means like the gospel truth on how to run a sidelines out of bound play but basically what this thread was saying was like you basically or at least what this coach was saying he does in a similar situation is you basically run a two-man game and a three-man game and you force rockets to defend two separate actions Mm-hmm. You can't let them play all five guys like defensively yeah. on the same page. Mm-hmm. You've got to force them to like be ready for multiple things. Yeah. Once the cross screen to Gallo didn't work, they were screwed. They had nothing. Yeah, you have you have to have another option. You cannot just live and die by one thing, especially especially because Stephen Adams can't score from outside the paint, right? If you no, have someone useless. like Joel Embiid, if you have someone like Joel Embiid, then maybe you at least think twice. Not Joel, Nikola Jokic, any big that can shoot. The ball, like you think at least twice better than Stephen Adams, like literally can shoot. Period. Right. Um. You you have to at least like at that point you have to think twice about like oh we gotta switch everything but if we get into this particular switch we can't switch off because they'll have also another cardinal sin of an out of bounds play with like a second left. You never want to give the ball to a guy who's running the wrong way. Yeah. Like you need the ball going towards or the Or you basket. don't want to give it to your once, center who can't shoot the ball, right? Once you once like once the once you're coming up on that five second with no timeouts, like you might as well throw the ball at the rim and hope someone taps it in. Yeah. Like that was I mean, it would have been a better I like 
It was ridiculous. If you're a Thunder fan, I feel like you rather would have seen them like put a lob up to the basket and it like falls Anything. harmless, like, like as opposed to Stephen Adams catching the others back to the basket, like yeah. Above the three point line, just like ridiculous, what? man. Like it, anything, and even oh before that, all I'll say, uh, they, they called that foul on James Harden, which they literally showed the replay after, and he didn't touch anyone. Yeah, all I'm gonna say, ball don't lie, never has never Gallo, it never has lied before, never will lie in its life, right? Gallo missed that free throw. Gallo was what 24 of Although, 24. Did you see the video of D'Antoni and like, I don't know if it was like an assistant or like some player who's like wasn't dressed, like uh-huh. waving their arms on the sideline right as he was about to shoot? Uh huh. I didn't see that. I mean, like, it, it doesn't, it, I don't think that distracted him, but it's kind of funny to see. I, Literally, right as Gallo's like here, D'Antoni like flings his arm up. Um, just a, a, a weird, weird end to the game. Um, I think it was like against the script completely, right? Um, you know, Kevin O'Connor well, had a great article. seven for you, though. I mean, throw, throw everything yeah. you expect out the window for a game seven. Lou Dort shooting 50% from behind the arc and putting up 30 points. Uh, shout out Chris Paul for becoming the oldest player in NBA history to have a triple-double in a game seven. Um, Although but, I, like, we'll talk about this in a minute, but Chris Paul's record in playoff series now yeah. when he's healthy. Hit it I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to sit here and like – it's seven and ten. Not good. I don't want to sit here and like bash Chris Paul's legacy because he's I need one of the most is going to go. I first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah. the point god, like literally point is god. The yep. Embodiment of that nickname. Mm-hmm. It's I'm seven and ten in playoff series. Yeah, it's t- I mean it's something you. At the end of the day, you can't not look at the numbers, right? Like you look at LeBron and you're like, LeBron's fantastic. At the end of the day, he's three and six. Like, in the it's finals, so cliche. Right? Like, like the best players count for win. something. Best players win. Yeah. And you're telling me Chris Paul is not even 500 in his, for the playoffs? Yeah. It's, it, it's just, like, it's baffling. Like, I literally read the – I read that stat, and I was like – I, mean, I, I, I don't – I, don't I really don't know. I really take away from his legacy at this point. But, like, that's, that's part of it. I mean, look at Patrick it, Ewing. Got, Patrick, Patrick Ewing never got a ring. I still looked at it as one of, like, the all-time greats. But? But never got a ring. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, Chris Paul's never even made the finals, right? Like – Yeah, at least – Pat made the finals and was like leading yeah. the Knicks. I mean, Patrick Ewing, like so many other guys in the '90s, got screwed by MJ, mm-hmm. and then finally Charles got Barkley to, too. I mean, finally got to the finals and then ran into Hakeem, or no, ran into um, no, it was or no, he ran into Hakeem. But then the Knicks in two thousand. I was thinking of the Knicks in two thousand. They lost to the Spurs. Yes, correct. I was waiting for you to say that. Um, like, there's nothing I, you can say about the Knicks that's going to hurt me. Come on. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, like again, Chris Paul seven. Seven and ten in playoff series, like hasn't made the finals, like made the conference finals a couple of years ago, and that was it. Like, I I don't know what's next for the Thunder. He's got Chris Paul is still really good, and this was also you know on a fat contract. Yeah, the the point God has been rejuvenated. That's for damn sure. I mean, rejuvenated, but, but not I rejuvenated in the sense that he's like, you know, he's kind of like he was an all star. He was an all star this season. I mean, did we like? That's the thing. Well, Look, I'm not saying, we're coming off a couple of – let me just make my point. We're coming off a Bowen couple of Dragic seasons. Bowen Dragic was an all-star too. What? Dragic was also an all-star. I mean – Was he? I believe so. I don't think he was. Um, but my, my point being is that, you know, me, you, 90% of Two, basketball – also last year. Okay. Me, you, and 90% of basketball fans, maybe even higher – 
you know, apologize to Chris Paul this season because we thought OKC is going to be bad, right? They're going to be a lottery team. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. And then they, they come out and they push James Harden and the Rockets to seven games, right? You got to tip your cap to that. Where do they go from there? It's interesting because Chris Paul had himself a fantastic season, but I mean, like you said, I, he, I he's 35 years old. He's, he's going to be going into season number 16. At, at this point, you get to a point in your career where it's just like, you're great, but one injury and you could be done. And that's unfortunately well, I the how it goes. With, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I you know, know what the Thunder like cap situation for next year is. I don't know like who's got an expired contract. I don't know what their deal is. But they need like a superstar if they want to continue. They've got a really, really good young core. I love SGA. Mm-hmm. I really do like Steven Adams. I mean, he's not, he's not like, he's obviously, excuse me, he's obviously not a superstar, but for a non like shooting center, man, I, he was, I don't know, man. I have soured on, he was not good last night. Like you, you, you talk about, you haven't, PJ I, we're talking about you, one game. Like he's been basically being played off the court all series. Like, like they're better when Gallo is out there. And look, if you're going to have, you're going to have, like, what's the way to beat the Rockets when they're on defense, right? If they're playing super small, you got to kill them on the boards. Yeah. And there, were, there were, like, maybe seven or eight balls that Stephen Adams didn't have to jump, and he, like, got the rebound. But there were, like, a couple of baby hooks that he missed, and you got to be able to defend away from the rim a little bit, right? Yeah, like, no, I, that is definitely the, the drawback with Stephen Adams. He's never going to be that perimeter defender that you want. And yeah. not even, like – And he doesn't – he really. just doesn't give you anything outside of the paint. And – you know, if you have good wing defenders, that's great. But, like, Dennis Schroeder held his own against James Harden, but is not a very good wing defender. Chris Paul is smart, but he's not a good wing defender, right? Like, Gallo is not a good wing defender. I like, feel like if you're OKC, you're, in the, you're basically in the exact same position you were going into the season where you're kind of looking like a late lottery, like maybe another – I mean, like maybe another first round type of exit team. It's like, where do you, where do you improve? This is like, it's not where you want to be as an NBA team. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they showed this series. I think you can count on improve, more improvement from SGA. You can probably, I yeah. Lou Dort I think, clearly is fair, a talented piece. Would it be fair to say their ceiling is probably, you know, second round, like making the second round. I mean, they showed they're yeah, at least capable honestly. of making it, but I can't see them advancing any further. Ceiling second round, but like in the West, I would, I don't know if I would count on them to make the playoffs again. Next okay, season. yeah, it, I, but I, I'm saying, like, their absolute ceiling, right? If they could have well, reached no, I'm like this like ceiling year, floor. Like, I'm saying, like, their yeah. ceiling is, like, first, second round, and their floor is a lottery team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it really just depends what they end up doing with Chris Paul. I mean, um, it's tough to – it's going to be tough to move him. Yeah, it's going to be tough to move him. Six and a half I, million, I, like – A couple people have been saying for a while now, like, send him to, to the Sixers would be interesting. Um. That, and that's just not feasible. The Sixers have no cap space. You got to trade a couple people away. I mean, you, I know, you get, been, rid, you get been, rid of I've Tobias been, Harris. Been you trade Simmons. But if you're the Sixers and you just absolutely throw draft picks and you throw Tobias Harris, Do the Sixers or Al even Horford, have the like, draft picks to throw like that. Also, how many draft picks are you really getting for uh, an aging CP3 on a contract that he just does not deserve? I mean, you 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 got a pretty good amount of draft picks back if you were uh when you were trading away cp3 for russell westbrook they got like they got like two swaps and a and like at least one first maybe yeah. two like it, it and again think, chris from chris paul was an all-star point guard chris paul was an all-star point guard i mean 
You, you, you're talking about a win now team. The, like, the reason I'm like the reason I'm not so like yeah okay yes he was an all star but I think if you uh, take the name Chris Paul away from his numbers is that guy an all star? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was literally an all star. Okay, yes, I know he was literally an all star. I'm saying you take the name Chris Paul away from that. I I think I, like, if he showed anything is that he still got he still got gas. He still got team. it. But are you really gonna like trade picks and talented pieces to acquire Chris Paul? I He's not getting any I mean, better. Shit, look, if you're if you're the Sixers and you're like, okay, we need a, a creator who can shoot off the ball, who's capable of running the pick and roll, and who is smart, and you have good defenders on that team that can kind of back you up after that. Doesn't sound that bad to me. I just and if you can committing super hard to Chris Simmons Paul right and Embiid, like, which I don't think we should, they should at all. You gotta keep Simmons and Embiid and acquire Chris Paul. If you're going to win now, like, again, nothing matters. What nothing matters if you win about? a title. It doesn't matter if you win a title, right? That's all that matters. Are you, like, do you really think that that would be a smart move for the Sixers to acquire Chris Paul on top of Embiid and Simmons? I feel like again, we're talking about the Sixers, right? Like, I feel like that makes I, things even more difficult for them. It's not like Chris Paul is a sniper. Like, Chris Paul doesn't really fix their issue of outside shooting. Well, like, but yeah, he's a good – but he, he can – he can shoot off the ball, and you think about how much attention that draws but in. What's like, Chris Paul's value off the ball? He's a still he's, another creator you can use. Dude, I don't know where I don't know where you're pulling this I, take out of. We'll, we'll talk about this the next time. Trust, trust me, it, it's it's gonna be something that's gonna be talked about. Like I, I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know if it's about. possible to trade him and keep both of those pieces. But anyway, let, let, let's move on real a quick. Bizarre take. <laughs> Real, real quick, before we get into uh, Miami and Milwaukee, let's just touch upon uh, Houston and the Lakers. I think they start – P.J. Sa- Tucker, it needs the – Saturday? Scrap up. Oh, yeah. man. I mean – And this is in, the test right here if you're Houston. This is like putting your system yeah. to the test. It's, you're going up against a mobile, athletic big man in Anthony Davis. Like, mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker is going to have his hands full. And that means P.J. Tucker's not – I've got to imagine P.J. Tucker's going to spend most of his time on A.D., I mean, Houston switches everything, but like primarily. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because if you're the Lakers, do you play AD at the five, which I think that's the better. I don't know better... why you wouldn't. I, yeah, but they haven't. They, they, they constantly play JaVale and they put uh, Dwight Howard there. And I guess that, but if you, you know. I'm... I mean, think about this. Think about why this. Would, why like, wouldn't. All right. If you're, if you're, you're the putting Lakers, Covington you're looking... on AD, if not, like. I don't see a, I don't see a world in which Dwight and JaVale are like playing a ton in this series. This is exactly what the Rockets are designed to do is to play traditional like slow non-athletic big men off mm-hmm. the floor. Yeah. If you've got Anthony Davis, why aren't you why wouldn't you play like Frank Vogel should be fired if Anthony Davis isn't playing like 85% of his minutes at the 5 in the series. Seriously. I, I he, like AD is got- exactly the perfect piece to counter the Rockets small ball cuz you can keep a 7-footer on the floor but not sacrifice anything defensively mm-hmm. yes but at the same time if you want to if you want to stretch the floor at a little bit with ad and give yourself another weapon to attack off the dribble from the outside then i think you do play some of your minutes with dwight or javel in there especially when pj tucker's off the floor when how often is pj tucker going to be off the floor I don't know. Man's probably gonna play like forty-five minutes a game. Exactly. Like PJ Tucker's gonna have a rough time. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like PJ Tucker. That's why. I was, that's why I wanted Jack Powers in here so bad. Like uh-huh. they, he's a president of the PJ Tucker fan club. Um, I. It's gonna be interesting because look, like, I mean, every time I just 
if you're doubting whether or not you should play AD at the five, just watch a compilation of AD stepping yeah. back like he's a guard, but is, you know, also seven feet tall. I think the Lakers are well rested. Houston's going to come into this a little tired. Um, More than a little tired. They got I, Lou 24 Dort, hours at this point to get ready. Yeah. Lou Dort is, you know, basically the ideal build of what you want for someone guarding James Harden, right? Good lateral quickness, good strength, and uh, that is the one that is definitely a concern for the Lakers. You yeah, know, I don't know who who's going to guard him, right? But you, you have LeBron on him for protection. stretches. But that, hey, look who's here. Jack look Powers talking PJ Tucker, most overrated player in the NBA. I'm kidding. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify or you're watching on YouTube and you're confused, uh, we're on. We're on Instagram, uh, live. Instagram Live. Of course, you can uh, watch us live if you want at Second Floor Sports, or you can catch us after on our YouTube, which is just Second Floor Sports, and on our Spotify. Same name. Uh, Twitter's the only one where we just couldn't get that handle. It's uh, yeah. Two Floor Sports. Um, but uh, it's going to be the number two. The number two. Um, they're they're, they're going to have their hands full. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup because the Lakers are a very good defensive team. Well, that's the thing. Even if they don't necessarily have like that one, like yeah stopper per se like they're i we I, I don't see this going more than five i i don't either honestly uh, I, mean, I got get, like a true like god tier whole series from harden mm-hmm. you have pj tucker playing out of his mind against anthony davis yeah i mean covington covington was big for them last game i know he was getting cooked all series long about um uh, uh, by uh, cp3 but like Covington was one of the heroes in that game for the Rockets. I mean, he put up 20 points. He shot it well from three and he's not a good individual defender, but team defense is the name of the game for Robert. Exactly. Right. And you look at, like you look at the, um, Jesus Christ, the Raptors just completely. <laughs> I was like, uh, they don't necessarily have that like one perimeter stopper, but they play defense five guys. Like that yeah. is a, it's a glove. It's five fingers on a hand. Like they play mm-hmm. such great team defense the same way the Lakers do. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on also, to – last point here. Yeah. Arrested LeBron. I mean, bad news for Houston, in I my think you, I think you pencil in the Lakers at this point, honestly. Like, I'm taking Lakers in five. I got, I got all my first-round winners right, prediction-wise. I didn't get the uh, – yeah, I know, round of applause to me. I didn't, I, didn't get the, uh, I didn't get the length. I didn't get the length of each I mean, series. That's always just such a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, I – Look, I, I, I thought the – I think I picked Rockets in five, maybe six. Um, I don't think anyone really expected it to go seven, honestly. I didn't. Um, I think people that didn't really look at the numbers thought it could be a close series, but I, I think the Rockets really – I'd say the Rockets kind of lost those games more than OKC earned them. OKC played just, well, that's, but – That's semantics at that point. Let's move on to this, this Bucks heat series that I think we both agreed looks like it might be pretty short-lived surprising like look you, you look at the you look at the numbers and what each team does well coming into this right the heat shoot the three exceptionally well they burn drop coverage and they have enough playmakers in their starting lineup now with Dragic starting that you can bring Kendrick Nunn off the bench if you choose although he is a defensive sieve um, they do have enough playmakers like this is a team that can beat the Bucks. And then and they've, also got then, that, they've also got that the, the unicorn piece, if you will, in Bam. Yeah, they got Bam was fantastic. And Olinick had himself a really good game, too. A really good job bringing him off. And, you know, again, Kelly Olinick's not the reason that he are going to win or lose a game. No, but absolutely not. But it's something we're going to touch on later is, you know, bench pieces and all that. But 
how do you beat drop coverage, right? It's someone that can burn you from the mid-range. And it's someone, if you have a pick-and-pop center like Porzingis or, you know, to a lesser extent, Olenek, someone that can set a screen. And if you have a dynamic guard running the, uh, running the pick and roll, they pop out and it's an easy three. Yeah. And that's been burning the Bucks, but they're so good that they've been outplaying anyone. Now, also got if you don't, if you don't play your best the third player to win MVP and defensive player of the year in the same season. Like, yeah, as, as much as Giannis hasn't, it's so, like, when I, literally when you're we writing this rundown, I was like, yeah, you know, Giannis hasn't been playing great. And then I look at his numbers and he's like putting up his season averages, you know? Yeah. It, it's I mean, funny when, when, when you get guys like Giannis and players who are just have been so good, so consistently good for like two, three seasons now, like you, it becomes quiet when they put up like 30, 12 and five, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, solid game for Giannis as if 30, 12 <laughs> and five isn't absurd. I mean, that's the thing is that like in the playoffs, who cares if you're averaging 45, 45 and 45, if you're losing the game, it doesn't matter. No, like, obviously. And Giannis is putting up numbers, but like, well, I think the concerning I, thing for the bucks is like their numbers as a team are not awful. Honestly. No, like, I, really not, I, yeah. I really haven't watched much of either of the first two games in the series. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like watching where I can, just like reading recaps and all that. But like, the Bucks shot forty-five percent from three in game one, and played worse in game one than in game two. In game two, they shot twenty-eight percent from three. I mean, game two was a complete toss-up. I could very easily mm-hmm. could have gone either way. We'll talk about the officiating here in a minute. I and mean, I said the panic level for the Bucks is six out of ten on the uh, Ben Carlton panic level scale. I push it a little higher to seven. Like I could see, I could see a seven out of ten, honestly, because like uh, the numbers. That's what I was saying about the numbers don't even look that bad for Milwaukee, mm-hmm. but they're just losing. Like yeah. they've got to figure something I, out. Is a very good defensive team, right? You talk about the Bucks five the fingers. Heat. What the Bucks are? The, I'm both I mean, teams, both, who are you talking about here? Both, but I'm talking about the Bucks. Like they're a very good defensive team. And last game, they had, I think, seven people scoring double digits, and Jimmy Butler had 10 yeah. points. Like, that's your best player, and he's putting up 10 points. Like, that, that's a problem because you, you look at both of these games, you talk about it. It's like, it's not like the Heat are just absolutely getting lucky in something or just up shooting, like, you know, you can never replicate this type numbers. Like, the Heat are playing their ball, right? No, They're exactly. beating that's, the Bucks in their own that's game. That's such a great point. Like, it's not like Miami is playing, like, batshit crazy out of their mind. No. Like, They're playing the game they played all season long. And the weird yeah. thing is, kind of, Milwaukee is too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's two games. And I, game one was, like, close-ish on the scoreboard. Miami kind of dominated. And game two, two-point game, such a bizarre. We might as well get into the officiate if we're going to keep talking about this game too. I, but before we get into the officiate, I, I, I got to talk about what Bud's doing. I mean, bro, you got to play your stars more than 35 ride, minutes. Ride Giannis. You have to. Like you, you, he needs to crack 40 minutes a night. Like this is the playoff. You're down 0-2. Like you need to shorten up your rotation because people like DiVincenzo and Connington who can give you good minutes and every once in a while you'll have like a DiVincenzo game or a Connington game. They'll shoot like yeah. three for six from three and give you the contributions you need. If you're not getting that right now, you've got to have a short leash. You've got to have six or seven. And well, like, I think you the know, thing Giannis like- got in foul trouble, but like, and, and look, I've, I, I, I've been watching the games. I've been pausing it. I've been rewatching plays. I've been doing, I've been watching the film studies and like, Bud's getting out coached. Like, yeah. you know, the Spolstra who, Everyone knows is one we of talked the best about earlier. coaches. It's a yeah, genius. he's destroying him like strategically. Like he's putting Olinick in when Brooke Lopez comes off the floor and killing them on pick and pops. I mean, the the Bucks aren't switching, even though they're playing small and not switching. Like, 
and then you're not playing your stars that many minutes. Like it's just it's bro, the Bucks are in trouble. Like I like it, I obviously this is a must win game three for them tomorrow yeah. night. Like I I just don't know what you do if you're Milwaukee because one like I mean, one of their strengths in my opinion is their bench pieces are so interchangeable. Like they all fill very similar roles. So like you can kind of it's easy for Bud to like mix and match and find like the, the kind of the intricacies that can be the difference in winning and losing a game. But if all your bench pieces are having the same issues or they're not really being aggressive enough offensively and they're just not providing enough tangible impact on the scoreboard, then you, can, you look at your bench and you're like, well, damn, I've got like four guys who do the exact same thing, which is mm-hmm. good in some ways. But then in, in this particular series, it's hurting you because like, where do you turn? Yeah. Like, you know, initially I, mean, I said maybe the Bucks should look to get Kyle Korver going more. Obviously, Kyle Korver is not helping you at all defensively at this point. Yeah. Like, Kyle Korver hasn't even really been the – I mean, Kyle Korver is not going to win or lose you a game. Mm-hmm. And maybe look for a little more aggressiveness out of George Hill. You got I, – I think for look me, from, like, you got to, like I've – been, I've been critical of Chris Middleton. Maybe a little off on that. I didn't realize Chris Middleton was almost 50-40-90 this year, honestly. Yeah. No, he, I, I've been trying to tell you this – Last couple episodes, like my, I just, he's nice, but again, like you're seeing the issue here with like Middleton's creating his own offense, right? He yeah. can create his own offense. Giannis can create his own offense. And the reason I really? hesitate, the reason I hesitate just a second because Miami, okay. like they were always going to be a tough team for the Bucks to beat because Jimmy Butler, very good defender, has good Bam. size. Kelly Olynyk. Not very strong. Wouldn't classify him as a good defender, but has the size. Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Very good size. Built to stop uh, Like I feel like you're kind of glossing over the fact that Bam is looking like the next version of Draymond Green. No, I, I, I'm not glossing over the fact. I'm just saying, like, if you have Bam on Giannis, right, and then you run a pick and roll where Giannis is the ball handler, and even if you get him off, like, you got to run that with, like, George Hill and with – fucking and with like Dante DiVincenzo like you gotta get other people involved you gotta seek out those mismatches like Giannis you gotta get them see but you're saying that but then you're also saying that you need to ride Giannis more it's kind of like which which way do you think the Bucks should go I think they have to ride him more but they gotta get him more involved in the offense not through him specifically generating it not through him just having the ball in his hands all the time like you gotta have him be the screener man or you gotta have like George Hill screening for him because that's how you recreate that's how you create the mismatches, right? I think it was a first game. You know, the success comes when you have like Tyler Hero or you have like Duncan Robinson guarding Chris Middleton, for example. If you get that mismatch or you have them on George Hill and then you have like Bam on Giannis, right? If you run pick and roll and you get a switch, if Giannis is the screener and then you swing it over to him, like, you know, you're creating mismatches there. You got to seek them out because Giannis is a walking mismatch. The only problem is I – mean, Giannis is, like, is unstoppable. Literally. Yeah, but the, and, but the problem is, like, Giannis can still – he's been putting up, like, 30, 35 a, a game. And if you don't get anything else from your players, and, you, you know, it's, like, really bad turnovers from them. Like, sloppy well, I think turnovers. We're, I think we're starting game, to see like, some frustration from Giannis because, like, you look, you look at any shot from the – from the series or literally any game that the Bucks lose or get mm-hmm. played very tough against is you see the other team literally lining three guys up in front of Giannis. Yeah. Like there's this one really funny shot I saw. It was like Giannis, like right at the top of the key, Bam in front of him, uh, Duncan Robinson on one side of Bam. I think it was like Jimmy on the other side. Yeah. And just all three of them are literally staring at Giannis. Like, well, you ever Robinson's seen- got like his foot, like sort of towards whoever he's guarding, but it's like, 
They're not making they're, – they're triple teaming him, basically. You, you, ever, you ever seen that video of Stan Van Gundy when he was coaching the Pistons where he's like, build the damn wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a minute and a half left on our live stream. So wow. we're going we're gonna to cut it here. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk Toronto and uh, – Toronto, Toronto and Boston? Toronto, Boston. Uh, just finish up on Utah and Denver and then talk some MLB because we got a lot to talk about. Ben, let's get right into – Actually, let's finish up first. Uh, Heat in Milwaukee. Um, I mean, I just is the series done? The series isn't over yet. When you've got the reign of the presumptive MVP, going to be the first player, the third player ever to win mm-hmm. MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same series. Absolutely within the realm of possibility that Giannis just goes God mode and pulls Milwaukee back into the series. It's only two nothing. I mean, literally, Giannis has seen this exact story before, but on the other side. Last year, the Bucks went up 2-0 over Toronto in the conference finals, not even the mm-hmm. second round, and then Kawhi went god mode and brought Toronto all the way back and won the next four. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm keeping the, the panic level at 6 out of 10. Like, you got to win game three. I, mean, yeah. I think we need to see Giannis go god mode, honestly, and just take it to a, a level that we haven't seen. I mean, he got – this is the kind of the same issue he ran into in the postseason last year where he got, he got really frustrated by teams just completely walling off the paint. Mm-hmm. This is a better Bucks team than they had last year. Mm. I think it is. I mean, just by the, by the sheer fact that Giannis is a year better, Brooks a better shooter than he was last year. I think year, it's better, but – just a year older, a year wiser, a year more seasoned. I mean – not not having a like losing a creator like Malcolm Brogdon, which I don't know if you really had to pay him that much money. I'm not saying it was the wrong. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think Brogdon really make. I don't think Brogdon moved. I look at the. It's just another like, creator, man. Like, and he's a good defender. What's Eric Bledsoe? Not as good of a defender, and has you know historically struggled in the playoffs, and is playing well, but like yeah. You know, they're, they're getting killed off the ball. Like, the off-ball screens are running for Duncan Robinson. Just, like, you know, the, the switches that they're missing, just it doesn't make any sense, man. And, like, uh, you know, I got this notification from Bleacher Report. I'm not putting a lot of stock into it. But, like, I do think Giannis wants to stay in Milwaukee. But at some point, like, Chris Middleton is not 22 years old, right? Brooke, Lopez, Brooke Lopez is 30. How old uh, Middleton, though? I think no, he's around right. 30 years old. Eric Bledsoe is over 30, if I'm not mistaken. Like, this is not a young core. And when Bledsoe's it comes – 29, I mean – Yeah. Again, Bledsoe's he's still – 30, Brooks 32, yeah. Like, this is not a young core. And when it's going to come down to it's it – I mean, I don't know about only, this line, man. It's not a young core, but it's not like they're aging. Like, No, I know. It, it, but, again, like, Brooke, Brooke's seven foot and he's 32. Also, right? he's DiVincenzo and Connaughton, I mean – Right, but they've been non-factors. I, I don't know right? if you can like, play the they're getting old card yet. I, no, I'm not saying – I'm not playing that they're getting old card, but I'm saying if Giannis looks around, you know, Jokic in Denver is like, okay, I got Gary Harris, who is not the youngest, but I have Jamal Murray and I have Michael Porter Jr., right? He has young pieces there. Giannis is also a boatload better than I, you, you're missing. Jokic. You're missing my point. I'm saying it's people for him to – you know, be in the league with and start like a young, like big three with like people that they can stay together like four or five years and be like, you know, absolutely sure they're going to be in their athletic prime. And when it gets down to it, like Giannis is going to look around and be like, okay, you know, Bud has been out coached now two playoffs in a row. Like 
I can play for him or I can play for Sportster in Miami. I think you're closing the casket on Milwaukee already. It's just 2 nothing. I'm, no, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. And, I, again, I'm not putting stock in him even leaving because he says he wants to stay in Milwaukee. Sounds like you're putting stock in it. But I, I'm just saying, like, this is – there's a if Milwaukee loses in the second round, like, when we came into this season, we were like, okay, last season they lost – in the conference fun in the conference semis right yeah so no no they lost in the conference finals no toronto beat, oh toronto yeah, yeah. Um, wait yeah what are you you're like no toronto toronto beat the 76ers in the conference finals bro this is literally exactly what i was saying on the break i, I had no clue you were even talking yeah, about okay yeah. no <laughs> I, I literally just said that so toronto toronto won the conference finals against the 76ers the Bucks lost in the conference semifinals last year. You got to think, like, bare minimum, they have to reach the conference finals this year, right? Or else it's, all, it's, a, it's a lost season. Or else it's like yeah. it's a failure of a season. Yeah, I would agree. At some point, like, you know, I'm, again, I'm not – don't think we're ready to have this conversation yet. But here we are having it. Um, <laughs> you know, Giannis is like, okay, my head coach has – been out coached um you know and i don't have a young core to continue developing with like just saying, i feel like you're writing the book on milwaukee a little too early man i'm not i'm just saying oh you're not okay cool i'm not i'm just saying you gotta at least think about it like i, I think know. i think talk, milwaukee talk to, takes talk to me in a week if they're out of the playoffs i mean then... i think milwaukee takes game three um and then things get real interesting from there but i they're in trouble all right, let's talk a little Raptors-Celtics. All right, come with your heat, because you said you, you've been saving something up. I think the Celtics sweep the series. Like, Ooh. no, I, seriously, though, you look at these two teams, Damn. a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Deep, really talented, extremely well-coached, two of the best coaches mm-hmm. in yep. the league in that series. That's for damn sure. But Boston's got the two best players in the series. I, I don't think – I think – I mean, Tatum is clearly the best player in the series. Yeah. And I think Kemba is better than C- – Kemba is playing better than Siakam right now. Oh, that's for damn sure. So, I mean, do they have yeah. the two best players in the series? I mean, see, yeah, Siakam had to be, if not the best player, he had to at least contend with Tatum for it in the series. Yeah, and he's not. <laughs> Very much yeah. is not. I mean, Very much not. I and mean, he looks, honestly, similar to the way Giannis looked like three years ago or so before he really took that first, like – crazy leap where we were like oh my god like where did this come from mm-hmm. he just looks like he looks exactly like the guy who's like stupid athletic like crazy talented but hasn't quite put together some of the finer details yet mm-hmm. and siakam just every possession just flying into the lane into the lane hitting his little spin move <laughs> I, it's literally like his controller's broken or something oh I, man it looks like he looks like me trying to do a euro step on 2k before i regu- really figured it that's out that's what i taught you how to do in 2k yeah, he told me how to do it. And I still can never do a Euro step. That I always just do, like, that half spin where they just go like yeah. that. And like, um, well, I mean, how does Toronto – like, the, way I, the reason I'm saying the Celtics get swept – the Celtics sweep here is, like, if you're Toronto, like, what do you do? I mean, similar position to Milwaukee, honestly. It's like you're at – let me backtrack. Let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. Toronto, in my opinion, was always overachieving this year. Not to take anything away from them. But they reminded me a lot, and we talked about this on the show, they reminded me a lot of the, the player of the month, Hawks. 60-game mm-hmm. winner, great team, five, you know, deep, well-coached, but don't really, didn't really have that true superstar. Mm-hmm. 
And we know in the playoffs you need a true superstar. And I think we're seeing pretty clearly that Siakam is just not there yet. No, it was yeah, cool not. when he went from most improved to like improving again beyond that to where he like legitimately could have won back to back most improved. Mm-hmm. But Siakam is still just not there, at least especially now yep. as like a ball handler creator. I think we, I maybe he takes that other, maybe he takes another leap like we saw, like I mean, we've seen Giannis every like the past three years. We've seen Giannis take improvements in his game where it's like, how is that even possible? That's why, like, it's like, what is the criteria for most improved, right? Because I mean, like, it's subjective. It's 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 literally it's not subjective. Like, you can watch, you can look at a guy's numbers and be like, oh, well, yeah. he improved here, here. Like, but it's like shout out Brandon Ingram too, by the way. Yeah, true. But most improved is always like it's a story based award. It's like yeah. Who, it's the guy who went from like bench piece to star, you know. I mean, I mean, look, MVP has been too, right? It's not like Russell Westbrook didn't deserve it during his triple double season, but like he could have made well, a case. I was actually just double. talking about this with Josh, a couple, a friend of the pod, Josh Hayden. Uh, we were talking about like Westbrook literally hurt himself by averaging a triple double again. <laughs> like it becomes yeah. less impressive when you do it again. Yeah. And also, Russell Westbrook, we didn't mention this. He hasn't made it out of the first round in like five years, something like that. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. Literally. Wow. Pretty crazy, huh? That's nuts. Um, back to this Toronto-Boston series. I mean. What like, do you, you do? Said, what, yeah, you said you had an idea. I had an idea. Uh, for first of all, uh, don't shoot 11 of 40 from three. Good right? idea. I like that. Great start. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, I think, went 0 for 7 from beyond the arc. Like. You just can't have those numbers. And it's not rocket science that once you get to the playoffs, like, you know, you have more time to game plan because you're just focusing on one team and you're going to key in on things. And maybe it's not the most – it's surprising that he's struggling to this extent for Siakam over on the Toronto side. But, like, if you look at the numbers, like, it's not like Toronto was ever a very good half-court offense. Like, they're good defensively. They get most of their points – in transition like that that's yeah. their bread and butter and if you look at it boston is in the top five defensively and they're one of the best transition defense teams like you know like boston again well like, boston's got such a litany of dif- different types of defenders yeah. that they can use you've got marcus smart who's like your prototypical perimeter stopper and we got to talk about marcus smart too because that was a big concern coming in, right? Is that you didn't have Gordon Hayward and oh, where did Marcus Smart get the strap from? What he had five threes in the fourth in quarter a row? Last game? Five yeah. threes in a row. I mean, we're again we're forgetting that Toronto was on pace to win this game. They're up twelve in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, or I think it got into eight once it made it to the fourth. But like, you know, that's just tough when you lose on five straight made threes from Marcus Smart. Like you're not going to get that every game. When I get like, if you're Toronto, you're saying like, all right, if Marcus Smart, if Marcus Smart wants to pull up from three like that, go for it. But you're you know going to have Marcus, to take that. Yeah. You know what Marcus Smart shot on off the dribble threes this year? It's like 30%. Lower? 40% on off the dribble threes for Marcus Smart. Okay, but how many, how many like shots a game, right? I don't know, but 40% on off the dribble threes for Marcus Smart? That's absurd. I need to see some sample size there, but. I mean, yeah, small sample size, but yeah. like. 40% yeah. is 40%. I mean, I mean look, you, you, Gordon Hayward averaged 17 points a game. Like, you have to make up for that somehow. And Daniel Tice has had himself a good, a good series, but it's not like he was going to give you, like, any offense, especially not create his own. You're lucky if you get, like, no, of course not. three from him a game. Yeah. But, like, Marcus Smart has stepped up big, and Jalen Brown has had himself a fantastic series, too. Another like, – the fact that the Celtics can have Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown on the floor together is nuts. Yeah. I mean – 
and this is why I'm saying the Celtics are gonna, like the Celtics are everything that the Raptors are in terms of like deep, well coached play is like a, is greater than the sum of their parts. But then they also have that superstar talent for if they're in a close game down the stretch. You give the ball to Jason Tatum and you get out of the way and let him get a bucket. I think I think the Bucks series goes seven. I think this is you think the could, Bucks series goes seven. Wow. I, I think I think this could be I think this could be seven. I thought you were the one right, closing the casket on the Bucks. I I was saying it wasn't closing Bro, the casket. You really got me fucked up this episode, man. You're, you're was saying it? the Bucks <laughs> should be seven out of ten panicking and are considering like blowing it up, but are also going to take the series to seven. I think and I, the Sixers think... should trade for CP three. You're you're coming. With, I thought I was coming with the Heat today. Jesus, Damn, man, I'm always coming with the Heat. You know me. Um. I I think the Celtics can win this in six. Like, you think Toronto takes two off them? I think it's possible. I just feel like the Raptors are getting outclassed at their own game. And the Raptors, the, case, the Raptors like, shot the Raptors shot twenty six percent from three last game, I mean, and yeah. they had to blow a double digit lead. Like that at least warrants one or two Boston, games. I think if you're Boston, you're playing with all the confidence in the world right now for good reason. I also, I just, I also just don't think Nick Nurse. He's too good of a coach to let them get swept, or even I, I think like. I agree. I we're talking about the coach of the year, like yeah, and well deserved at that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like coach yeah. of the year is always kind of again sort of subjective. It's like you know, yeah, what, that, what, you want what, to talk about like a storyline? Do you want yeah, to yeah. push there? Again, not that he doesn't deserve it, but I think any year in the NBA, there are like three or four coaches who could legitimately win coach of the year. Well, it's, it's always tough because it's like, and you Nick know. Nick being one of them. Like, I, yeah. I, I, you could tell, I could not watch a single NBA game and be like, yeah, Nick Nurse probably could win coach of the year this year. Like, mm-hmm. like if you're like, literally just looking yeah. like record. I mean, like, because it's, you also got to think like, again, you got to go by storylines and you got to acknowledge the fact that, you know, he kept that defense where it was. They had a, a top two defense in the league without Kawhi Leonard, who was their best perimeter yeah. defender. It's the same thing. It's, it was like when the Spurs at their peak, it was like Pop can win coach of the year every single year, but they're not going to. And, you know, well, LeBron, they're not, LeBron if, could win MVP every year probably. Like, yeah. I wonder if LeBron's going to win a number, another MVP by the time he's done. I don't think so. I know honestly. one guy who really hopes he wins MVP this year, and it's not me. Not me either. Strat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our good friend Strat and Gervano. So you put like 50 bucks on him or put something? Put a lot of money on LeBron's win MVP. Oh, and it was late too. Um, let's just put a bow on Utah-Denver because um, that series is done. Uh, Remember that Nuggets. was the craziest game seven of the round? <laughs> <laughs> You'll put this in the rundown, but like, bro, what year is it? Like, <laughs> Literally. Like, the game ended in the 70s? Like, well, I, there was, I, I forget who... I think it might have been B-Ball Breakdown on Twitter. Someone had the poll. It was like, do you prefer a shootout game seven or like an 82? What was the final? 82-80 was the final? I think, yeah, something like that. Like that literally was the game straight out of the 90s. I like – I don't mind a good defensive no, slugfest. And like fun. these are – these were two good defensive teams. So we and forget that because there like was – a defensive slugfest and like an ugly game. Jazz yeah. Nuggets was not an ugly game. At yeah. All. It was a hard fought, really. I mean, it was good. It wasn't like guys were like missing open shots. It was like a battle for every single possession. The the basketball fan in me, like the like the hardcore basketball fan in me, was like, I enjoyed this being a defensive slug. Loved it, absolutely. But just entertainment wise, I was like, damn, I wish this game ended like one fifty two to one fifty. <laughs> like, okay, but like you can't complain about anything in that series. I mean, that, no, that was my no, favorite series. Now that the first round's over, that was my favorite series of the first round. Not at all. 100%. Um, just last question before, real quick, we like just think – I think the Clippers have no problem dealing with the Nuggets. That's the next round series. 
I mean, they, I, I, I've said it a million times. I think the Clippers are—they're my pick to win the title this year. Yeah, me too. But the Nuggets are deep, man. They—they they have yeah. a lot of different like looks they can throw at you because they're so deep. What? What I tell you, man? Gary Harris coming back is big for them. I told you, that's big. It just gives them another bench piece too, just to move someone down. And Monty Paul George and also, Jeremy Grant. I, other side good. of it, Paul George becoming Paul George again is huge. I mean, if Paul George plays at like. 75% of what Paul George is like they take this game and this series and like max six, I think uh, I pick Clippers in five, like. Give me Clippers in six. I think they're, I think Jokic is going to have a huge series Okay. for Denver. I don't think I'm Zubats is good. Harold is good, but I think, I just think I'm, I'm a huge Jokic fan. Probably. I probably have a higher opinion of him than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I think he'll have one game this series where people are like, holy shit, Nikola Jokic is the boy. Like, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, Zubats, like his numbers against Nurkic were fantastic in the first round. But Nurkic, you got to remember, didn't, <laughs> play the, didn't play the whole series. And just like, not even on close to the Didn't level. play the whole season, I mean. Jokic like, yeah, he, yeah. Just, he just came back. It's just like, not even, yeah. And also Coming just not even close to It's just, yeah, like disrespectful yeah. to put Jokic yeah, 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 in yeah. the same category. Other than like yeah. large, like Eastern European centers. <laughs> I mean, true. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up and we hit to you know any other sport, yeah. Um, you think this is the ceiling for for the Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell Jazz? The ceiling. I, um, I feel like I feel like this is a question we gotta ask. No. No? I think Donovan Mitchell has so much room to improve in terms of like his efficiency. Mm-hmm. I, I go, I love Gobert. Like I think Gobert is about as good. I think Gobert is like of like the traditional quote unquote centers still in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Gobert is as good as you can ask for. Defensive Player of the Year. And so we were talking about this, I think two shows ago. I was talking about like Gobert does such a great job of picking his spots to attack. Yeah. Like capitalizing on being like a a big center that a lot of teams just don't have the size to deal with down low. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's limited in today's NBA, but he's, he's just so good defensively. Once Gobert's defensive ability starts to fall off, you might be looking at some issues, but I think especially given that Donovan Mitchell is still a bit, I'm, I don't want to call Donovan Mitchell a Chuck, but like, uh, I, I, I mean, look, you're, you're asking like a 20 something year old guy to be like your main offensive, like producer. And he's like, doing it. And he's doing it well, and then you bring in, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, and you have Mike Conley. I literally too. always forget Boyan was not in the series. Yeah, that well, so it, it, you got to remember that too. But like, I don't know. Like every time, I don't I'm think like, to answer your question, I don't think this is the ceiling for Denver for Utah. I am gonna agree with you, but also think like I don't took think it's to, that. They literally far took off. him to seven. Like they took him to seven and came like that close to winning the series. I, I don't literally think came, the ball was halfway down. Yeah, I know. The I, ball was literally halfway Conley, down. Man, like, yeah, really. I, I don't think their ceiling is that far away. And like Gobert didn't have a very good. I didn't say their, I didn't say their ceiling was far away. I said, there's yeah, I know. Ceiling. I know. All right. All right. Let's move Real to the quick, NFL. NFL. Got about two, know, like, three things to talk about. We're going to have a big NFL show next week. So yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Leonard Fournette signs with the Bucks. I mean, I figured uh-huh. he was going to – I didn't think he was going to stay a free agent for long. He's a talented no. back. It kind of an it, – I'm – doesn't – the Bucks were not a team I expected him to go to. 
I keep going back and forth because, like, you know, like I'm assuming the reason you say that is because of fit, and like, fit and the fact that they've already got two backs in yeah. Shady and Ronald Jones. I wouldn't have thought that, but like, isn't this the classic like, you know, veteran quarterback? Like, you got uh, you know Gronk there. Like, you're like, oh, we're just looking for the big names type thing. And it's not like I mean, Fournette ran for over a thousand yards last season. Yeah, just, the fit isn't really there, and like. You know, they already have Ronald Jones Jr., who they're saying is their starter. Well, and they already the, have – Arian said Shady was going to get – I think for... I think you read that wrong. I think Shady said that he's still confident, but I think they I still – I could have sworn I saw Arians was talking about Shady getting a lot of work this year. Hmm. I'll double-check for you, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure – I'm checking right now. I got it. I'm pretty sure they said Ronald Jones was the starter still. Arians, um... Rojo, our guy, despite Fournette signing. I, I think it was Shady was the guy that said he's not worried. That's that's three-headed monster right there. And, I mean, look, that's a good problem to have. But Fournette did improve his hands um, catching-wise. But that is, that is a, that is a strength it. you have to have if you're playing with Tom Brady. Well, that's the thing with Fournette, though. It's like if you're – all right, like obviously you want a good pass catching back. Well, also, the thing we got to remember is like, yeah, we've seen 20 years of Tom Brady dumping it down to running backs and it working beautifully, right? Yep. We've also have not seen Tom Brady with a group of pass catchers this talented since yeah. when? I, maybe ever. Like Literally maybe ever. Like, time, like, I mean, we're talking about like Randy Moss era was the last time yeah. Brady had like these these I mean, like obviously he's had Gronk, but like mm-hmm. Gronk's a different type of talent than a Mike Evans. That's yeah. like a Chris Godwin. Like on paper, this may be the best receiver, the best receiving core he's ever had. I think like, it is, honestly. It's, I really it's think possible. It is. Yeah. Like and you talk about you know, Welker and Moss, however you feel about that. But, like, on paper, it's, it's it also has... so tough to tell with some of these Patriots wide receivers because, like, Brady and the system, Belichick and the system elevate them so much. Yeah. Like, and it's know, not I'll, the same I'll, Brady. I'll make Brady, yeah. I'll make Brady being assistant quarterback jokes till the day I die. Like, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that, like, the system elevated the whole team. The doesn't system works system. perfectly. Well, it yeah, does. you know, the Golden State Warriors system elevates Steph Curry. It doesn't mean he's a system They're player. totally different, actually. Eh, anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, last NFL note. Let's just get. I not much to talk. We'll we'll talk plenty of NFL this week. I also don't think we plan on spending an hour talking about like just the uh, Rockets Thunder game. Yeah. Alvin Kamara contract holdout. Expect looks like he's gonna be playing Week One. I mean, Sean yeah. Payton came right out and was like, "Yeah, we like expect him to be part of our offense." Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know what could happen. But I'd I'd be pretty surprised if Kamara didn't play his full season. Yeah, me neither. I mean, look, I, it's tough because. If you're the Saints, you don't have to pay him, right? I think he's making like what, like three million dollars. Not only do you not have to, you like can't. Yeah, like, like they, you literally they have yeah. no room. Like, I think if you're the Saints, you do whatever it takes, which is interesting because this day and age, you're like, are running backs that important, right? But Kamara is easily a top five running back in the league, yeah. and look, I Drew Brees has this season left. After that, and then like, you don't know, yeah. And even if that is this, well, I think season, I think Brian, like, not a, Breeze is in the same category as Brady, where it's like, if he wants to come back to the Saints, they're more than likely going to bring him back oh, for sure. Like, I think the thing is that like we might have no, we noticed it more with Brady this season because he didn't have as good receivers, and that's not me, you know, cutting like that's me cutting him some slack but not saying like he didn't play as well, well as he it's a mix of like a lack of talent around him and just like simply brady yeah visibly declining yeah you know you, 
you don't realize that with Drew Brees because you have the slant god Michael Thomas, and you have. If it ain't the, broke, man. If it ain't, like that, that frustrates me to no end. People are like, oh, Michael Thomas isn't that good. I'm like, he, yeah, he Come like on. they throw a ton of slants to him, but like because he wins every single time. <laughs> like, he, you think teams don't realize that they're going to run seven, eight, ten, nine? I can't speak. Excuse me, seven, eight, nine. I have absolutely no idea. It just came out of my mouth. <laughs> Any point being, Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the league. Like, yeah. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball. Uh, I'd be remiss to say that to avoid saying that the Yankees are at 4 1 right now over the Mets. Just check before we start talking about this. Mm. Let's talk about this Yankees Rays incident. I'm, I'm going to let you take the lead here because I'm going to be a little bit, little bit biased. All I'm going to say. What did, what, did you make, what did you make of the whole Chapman incident? Uh, all I'm going to say is, like, literally congrats on scoring four runs on Robert Gesellman, right? Like, Congrats on only scoring one against Jay Happ. I'd rather I start – I don't know if Jeremy Goldstein man. is still in the chat right now, but I think he called him Cy Happ, which I thought yeah, was pretty solid. I, at least Jay Happ's a starter. Like, like Robert Gesellman is, like, has not been a starter for, like, three seasons. Yeah, fair. Like, I, like – Why is – confused. What? Why is Joe Guido bashing Michael Thomas in Instagram chat right now? Because he's a Panthers fan. It's NFC South. Oh, duh. Yeah. Um, Such a – go on. Anyways. I was confused. Like – You tend to be confused. No, I'm talking about Yankees race. Okay. I was confused. Like, I – like, Kevin Cash being suspended one game. Like, being suspended, period. Yes, should have been suspended. Did openly threaten to throw – I'm like – if yeah. you look at that, as, if you look at his comments about a stable full of guys who throw 98 as anything other than a threat to throw at the Yankees, like yeah. I don't know how you could, how could you possibly interpret it any other way? I, I haven't. I, also, just I, such I, a, such. I love a, how you said like you talk and then just like don't let me talk. So mean. Wait your turn. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen like them explaining why Boone was suspended. I mean, it was Boone just one no game. no reason to get suspended. It was just one game, so it's not even worth fighting. But, like, well, I, but I, there, there, there has to be a reason of, there. Like, well, I, Are you done? Yeah, go ahead, man. I, you, you, can't, you can't I'm you can't itching. I'm itching. Go ahead. It's like, go, go, go. All right, if you're going to suspend Chapman for three games and say that you – by suspending him, you're basically saying you thought he threw at him intentionally and threw at his head intentionally – if that's the case, suspend him for a lot more than three games. Joe Kelly got eight initially for throwing a curveball at Carlos Correa mm-hmm. and missing by a lot more than Chapman did. Well, he also was a repeat offender. That's a good point. True. He was a repeat offender. Mm-hmm. If you think Chapman was throwing at a dude's head, you are suspending him for more than three games. Mm-hmm. If you think Boone told Chapman to throw at a guy, you're suspending Boone for more than a game. And then why is Kevin Ke- – I mean, Boone shouldn't have gotten suspended in the first place. Like, seriously. Boone did absolutely nothing. Also, I don't think Chapman – do you think Chapman threw at him intentionally? I, I, you made this point. Like, threw, okay, threw at his head intentionally. You made this point. I don't really see the point of in a two-run game in the ninth throwing at someone, especially their against head. Against the team you're chasing. You're like literally yeah. your biggest rival right now in a game that – Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can call – yeah, you can call it a must win. I mean, Rob Parker is a Hall of Fame voter. He's been covering baseball for – 30 years like yeah. he said he, he didn't think he threw at him either like to, to say that you think Chapman threw one-on-one at Rob Rousseau's head is like you're, you're accusing him of attempted murder like essentially essentially I, 101 in a dude's head helmet or not like you're putting that man on the hospital yeah 
And like, I don't think I, I don't think that was Chapman's intention. I was he. It, it no, it was not at all his intention to hit him. And like Chapman has control issues. We know that. Yeah. We've seen it. Like it has always been an issue with Chapman where sometimes he just can't find the zone at all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard it, sometimes it, when you. It, just it's just another example. It's just another example of Major League Baseball's whole discipline system being so like backwards and just nonsensical. I'm honestly, I'm not going to disagree with you because like, again, it's easy to just like, you don't have to come out and explain things in the first place. And especially if they're one, three games, like if if it's like a one game thing, like you're just like, all right, whatever. They're not going to, I'm saying like, they're not going to fight it. Right. Like you're not going to appeal it. Just the thing that kind of sets me off the most is like you suspend Aaron Boone and Kevin Cash for the same amount of games. Mm -hmm. You'd think that would be for the same type of offense. Mm -hmm. What did Aaron Boone do? What did Aaron Boone do? I, the bench is cleared after, but I don't think I, neither of them got involved in it, right? Like, well, I think part of the reason the bench is clear is because Chapman's like thing after he saves, yeah. after he like makes a save is to like stand and like pose. Like he yeah. you know, strikes a pose. And it's like, like Fernando Rodney like shot the arrow or no, no, Rodney shot the arrow and untucked, or no, it was um, Rafael Soriano would untuck his jersey after a save. Mm-hmm. That was his move. Like everyone's got their thing. It's an aggressive move, but it's also like Chapman's like 6'4", 230, and like stands there and flexes. Like, yeah, it looks aggressive, sure. Yeah. But it's like, in what world but then, do you... But then can you blame the race? Like, you got, like, you, you think... Well, like, there's, there's plenty there's of black, no way there's they don't think... plenty of bad blood in the series. Okay, yes, there's bad blood, but you get, you know, was it, it was 100? It was a 100-mile-an-hour pitch? 101. You get 101 grazing your dome, and then you have a guy just standing there like that. You're like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't blame them either. Like, Although, well, I'm talking about after the save. Chapman, that guy I really got misinterpreted, in my opinion. Chapman, like, walking towards the plate after he missed uh-huh. them. Yeah. That's literally Chapman walking to get the ball from Gary Sanchez. Yeah, like, I know. That's what he did. Like, there's literally videos of him doing the same thing after any, like, wild pitch. But you get, get, like, again, you, you, you almost take a one-on-one pitch off the dome of a team you have bad blood with. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with the suspensions or anything, but you got to at least see the race side of things. I feel like it's the race. I, like – at the risk of sounding like a massively biased Yankees fan. That's what you do, but that's okay. I think it's the Rays acting like a little brother, like looking for, some, looking for like a perceived slight, honestly. Like looking for a race. fight. Looking for a fight. I mean, they don't need to fight. They're like eight and two against you guys this season. Like, we'll, see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Like, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, last topic we're going to hit on before we go. Uh, Tom Terrific. Uh, Tom Seaver passed away yesterday, age of 75, dementia, COVID complications. I mean, it, it's best hard. Best of all time. Like, yes. Like he, he unequivocally, is. Unequivocally he, the best Met of all time. He is the Mets. Like, yeah. it's hard sometimes, you know, when you look at the Yankees, you're like, oh, it's probably Babe Ruth. But like. Yeah. But at least you can like, ah, oh, Mickey Mantle. Uh, no, it, it, it is Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth's like yeah. the best baseball player in history. I mean. And, Hey, but you got someone like Mickey Mantle. You got someone like Derek Jeter, right? Like, it's like, there it's is no Jeter. doubt. He's like not even a top five Yankee, which is I funny. So. Yeah, but, but like, like, you ask any Mets fan, like, Tom Seaver is the Mets. I do. Right? When, I was like, like, when I was looking at these numbers to, to put in the rundown, I mean, yeah. a set the first was 425 out of 430 Hall of Fame votes was the record at the time. Mm-hmm. Five-time 20-game winner, three-time yeah. Cy Young. I, I think the thing that blows my mind the most nine straight 200 strikeout seasons which is the yeah. longest act longest streak in league sure. history 
and obviously like totally different era where guys, I was reading a really funny piece earlier today where he was talking about like his pitch count, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like the, the pitch count wasn't, I think he said his like unofficial pitch count was 135, but he would just pit like stand for longer if he felt yeah. like it. I mean, the, the type of guy, just... like one of my dad's personal favorite players, it's like, it's weird because yeah. obviously it's like someone you and I don't have like any real personal connection to. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, I, 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 as a Mets fan, you do, but like, you, even, you yeah, well, that's player. what I'm saying. Like, you know, I wasn't alive to watch him pitch, but like, even so, like, you know, growing up, you're becoming a Mets fan. You're like, okay, it, it like you, you need to know one player on the Mets. Like it's Tom Seaver and it's yeah. not even close. Right. Like I, I like that the Mets finally made it Tom Seaver way leading into city field. And they said they're going to commission a statue for him. I think you, they, you got to. Yeah. Right now the Yankees and Mets are playing right now. I think they like scratched something into the dirt for him. I thought they were um, hanging a jersey in the dugout. Okay, that's what it was. I mean, like, it's... Yankees got out of the inning, too, by the way. Okay. Um, like, uh, one of the best pitchers of all time, like, three-time Cy Young. I think his rookie season, he went, like, 18 of his 20 wins. Sixth all-time in strikeouts. Yeah, I, I think they were, like, like complete games. Like, which, again, it, it, pitching is so different now. But, like, you, you see the impact it has on the Mets community. Like... I mean, it's, like the baseball community, man, like as yeah. a whole. Yeah. And the, the 69 Miracle Mets are like one of the most iconic teams of all time. Like he was the ace. He literally led them to their first ever World Series. Yeah. I, that's why, like, we always talk about, like, with the Knicks, right? Like, you know, if a player were to come to the Knicks, I'm saying, like, oh boy, <laughs> like in free agency, like, if when it was rumored, like, KD to the Knicks, right? It's like, if KD comes here and wins a championship, like, He's a legend. Icon. He's yeah. immortalized. Immortalized. Not immortalized. Immortalized. The same way for Tom Seaver. I mean, they hadn't had a winning season before the 69 team. Like, I mean, when were the Mets founded? Like 63? It, it was 10 years before. Not even. But, like, I, I'm That's, saying. I like, don't know if you can make that type of comparison. No, I'm, I mean, I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about, like, I'm talking about a franchise at least in that moment in the dumps, like not successful. And then s- uh, someone comes over and I think there's a bit of a, like, there's a difference between like literally single hand and been around for a decade. I know it's not a perfect comparison. I it's know. I know far from it. In my opinion, <laughs> whatever. Whoa. Um, I really, really sad moment. Like, yeah. you know, watching, um, you know, then he had really good seasons with the Reds and then with the White Sox. Cause of course the Mets, you know, oh, Mets, of course. why Mets would the Mets handle up. anything correctly? Um, can't wait to see how they'll botch like honoring Tom Seaver. No. Well, I mean, when I, I was at one of the oh, no, games, didn't where they, they honored... say? Yeah, weren't you at the game? Where they I was at. Guy I was at one of the games. Dead. I don't remember who it was in the '69 team. They said he died, and yeah, he was like, literally... "Bro, I'm watching the game. I'm alive. Like, I am. Like, I am. Well, yeah, currently I'm still alive. here. Yeah. I um, can't. I just. Mets are gonna Mets, man. Mets are going to Mets. I acquired Todd Frazier at the deadline. Get a reliever who has an ERA of like four and a half. It's, not, it's probably better than half a Mets bullpen right now. Oh, God. I mean, am I wrong? No. What a nightmare, man. What an absolute it's, nightmare. It's just so funny because, like, you're a Spurs fan, you're a Pats fan, and then you're also a Mets fan. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, call me a front runner. I dare you. I root for the Mets. Like, why would I, I root for the Mets if I was a What do you mean runner? you dare me to call you a front runner? As if it's never been said before. I, that's, I'm saying it. Say right now. Like, how am I a front runner if I root for the Mets? Like, I think it's me. different than a. I think it's. I don't know if it's more front running or bandwagoning. 
Okay, but like bandwagoning isn't a crime, right? Like it is a it's a crime. Let's be let's be real here. Bandwagoning. Okay, but there's a difference. There's a difference, right? And hear me out. Hear me out. I guess this is what we're closing the show with. <laughs> yeah, this is what we'll close the show with is me defending myself for the like 78th millionth time. Like, like, I'm a Spurs fan because my parents are Argentinian, because show my brother him, is him. Argentinian, and Manu Ginobili is Argentinian. Show him the arm. Show him the arm. Fabrizio Berto is Argentinian, right? I have, a, I have a good reason for that. Like, that's I'll, I'll give I'm, you that. I'll give you that. That's why I'm a Spurs fan. I'm a Patriots fan because I was at my cousin's. I was at my cousin's house. We we're watching a game, a game that they won. I don't. I couldn't tell you what game it was. I looked at their jerseys and I was like, "Those are sick jerseys. This team is good. I like this team now." Right? But so but, we're, so this team is good. I like this team. But but that sounds that literally like textbook. If I was, if I was a front runner or a bandwagon fan, if I was. I would not be a Patriots fan anymore because what kind of bandwagon fan stays with a team that loses in the Super Bowl multiple times? Who'd right? you lose to? What? Who'd you lose to? Doesn't matter. Um, I would have been a 49ers oh, fan. Ask Stratton who he lost to. I would have been crazy. a 49ers fan, or I would have been a Ravens fan, or I would have been a Seahawks fan. Like that would have been a bandwagon. Like, and like if you start off with a team that's winning. And then you immediately stop cheering for them when they lose. Oh, look, okay, I'll that's give you. A, no, 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 let me finish. Let me, that's a sin. If you start with a team that's winning, then they don't win a Super Bowl, and you stay with them. Like, look, I'll, I'll give you. I'll that. give you credit for sticking with the Pats. Like, I'll, I will give you credit for that. I will say you did just say you chose the Pats because they were good. I was like eight years old, dude. Like. Eight years old, like watching my first football game of all time, like my first football game ever. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, plenty. <laughs> you, you can't discredit me for what. And see, the thing is, you know doing. how awful bandwagon is. You know it's a felony. Yeah, but again, you have to be a bandwagon if you change. That's the whole point of a bandwagon. I'm just saying, it sounds, like a very, it sounds like a very prepared defense. Because this is not the first time I have to do it with you either. Like, I, this is a daily. I do this on a daily basis. Like, because well, you know you're a bandwagon fan. If that's no, because I have to defend right, guys, my honor. Gotta out I gotta defend my honor. Uh, all right, that's it for uh, episode seven, episode eight, eight. episode eight. 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 Was a good ride. Um, if you're watching us on Instagram at Second Floor Sports, thank you. Um, you can catch a replay of the show, or if you didn't get to watch the whole thing on our YouTube, that's our show name. Or on Spotify, please check us out. Uh, like Spotify and Anchor. Yeah, Second or floor Anchor. Sports. Yep. Run check up us that. Out, uh, seriously. Run up that play. Give us a follow and tell let a friend, us know what you think. Honestly, tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Yeah. Please let us know what you think. You know, if there's anything you don't like that we're doing, we'll listen to it and then we won't. Take we it won't change the damn thing. <laughs> um, we have a mailbox each week. DM us any questions uh, you want us to answer. Like our bio says, we promise we're going to get to your questions. Can't promise we're going to stay on. I feel like we did have a, or no, we had a. Did we even have a mailbag this week? Yeah, we had a mailbag. It was was my brother. It was my brother (laughs) who runs my mom's, uh, my mom's uh, rim repair factory's Instagram page, trying to promote their low prices. So check out Jimmy C Wheel (laughs) Factory on Instagram if you got to get your rims redone. Um, I think that's it. I think we should have. Uh, Let's call it a day. I need to make Uh, some food. For Ben Carlton, I'm Matthias Waman. Thanks for listening to Second Floor Sports. We will talk to you next week. So long.